Hey everybody, this is Brad from Apex Live. Episode 13 of the podcast has been heavily edited for content. The full, unedited version of the episode is only going to be made available by request, and not every request will be granted. If you'd like to hear the full, unedited, and uncensored version, send us an email at apexlivepodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's episode 13. I've got a good feeling about this. It's cool, it's clear, and it's calm in the Mountain State, unlike the rest of my life. And ironically, it's episode 13 of Apex Live. I'm Brad. Steve is on assignment. He'll be here for the second half of the show. Setting in with us tonight, special guest host, founding member of Apex Combat, from all those years ago. All around good dude and a member of the inner circle, Jake Morris. Jake, welcome, my friend. Thank you. This has been a long time coming. You've been needing a platform. And boy, do you have one now. <laughs> Hope everyone's ready for whatever this is going to turn into. We're going to talk about why we've been on a hiatus for the last month and a half. Just a little bit. Just, just a tip. Just to see how it feels going to talk the 2018 West Virginia football season, a little bit of a preview, because that is getting closer and closer by the day, and I can't wait to go kick the crap out of Tennessee. Tell some stories from Section 103, and deal with whatever comes up, because I really don't know what it's going to be. Too much psychosis. But in any event, it is episode 13 of the show, wherever and however, and whenever you're listening. Thanks for joining us. Should be fun. Intro music as usual. End of summer by the 126ers. Copyright free so we don't get sued. Of course, I don't care. Sue us. What are you going to get? We're poor. <laughs> well, it's the truth. Jake, how you doing, my friend? Oh, not too bad, man. What's not going on? Bad. Anything I need to know about? You had to you had to drive in from Parkersburg yeah. and return to the great Beckley metropolitan area. Like People need to know where we're broadcasting from, but who cares? But you had to travel in for that, and I know you always see interesting things whenever you come back to the old homestead. Yeah, I mean, you drive in two and a half hours, you're not too far away, and pull into the great sheets, and you get out, and there's three homeless people hammered off their ass at 5.15 and kind of wonder where you're going with your life. But then you see them buying about 20 bootleggers, and you think, hey, at least I'm not buying that shit. (laughs) Well, you know, fair point. But, you know, it's... It's 5 o'clock somewhere, but it's 5.15 in Beckley. Yeah, you can drink the cheap shit when you don't have to wake up until about 3 o'clock the next day. Man, that's a good point. I hadn't I hadn't quite thought of it that way. Because no matter what, the homeless really don't... If for all the challenges that they have, and they do have challenges, the homeless really don't have that schedule crunch. No, they you don't. Know, they get 2 I've o'clock, bum, seen. 4 o'clock, <laughs> bum some more. I've never in my life, not once, Jake ever seen a homeless person with a day planner you should see the homeless we have up in parkersburg they've got their little area right in front of the toll bridge okay one guy's got a lawn chair i mean if you're gonna bum and you want me to give you money at least get up and don't be smoking a cigarette in your lawn chair where did he get the lawn chair from the 25 cents every other car's giving him as they drive. well you can't eat the lawn chair 
Can you? Oh, I guess, yeah, I suppose you could if he suffers from pica. Which, I mean, <laughs> what what worse way to get your life wrecked than to be homeless and have pica? Although it does, cu- does kind of cut down the necessity of the food budget. You don't have to eat the burger, you can just eat the wrapper. Yeah. And, uh, and that's more fiber. That's good for your diet, right? Some aspects that you do have to admire the guy because he's willing to sit there in his lawn chair and has the balls to ask you for money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and he looks like he's got a way better life than you do at that point. That's a that is a great idea. You know, I'm just I'm going to sit in my chair and I'm going to demand money. That's what I'm going to do. And and that's the that's the best part of this too, is that because of the the super left leaning culture that we have now, in so many ways, he can sit in his chair, do nothing, ask for money, but really it's it's kind of more than that. It's almost extortion at that point because they're trying to make you feel like you have to. And because of our culture, if you don't give him the money, now you're the asshole. Right. You're the asshole and we've got this federal <laughs> job mandate that's being pushed out there, so he's actually got a job. He just can't get fired for it because it's mandated that he can be hired. Okay, I'm off of that rant. No, go as far as you want, because you're absolutely correct, and this is why I am becoming progressively more libertarian by the day. I want these idiots out of my life as much as they can be. Did you ever see the episode of um, Al Bundy's show, Married Married with with Children? Children. So good. And they come up to Bud and, um, what's his sister's name? Kelly. Kelly. They tell him that they can go make money panhandling and bud comes back with like 25 cents and kelly's got 100 bucks that's great that's you know that's about right i'll tell you the other way to do it too here's how the most successful panhandlers i guess that's the politically correct term for bum of course when i think bum i think boxing and i think of people from cincinnati who refuse to run right (laughs) because mike davis ain't running right you know we're one in 24 but we ain't running (laughs) he ain't running he don't like to run We'll deal with that during the ambush later. Um, he got dogged, by the way. <laughs> he did. They dogged us, man. They dogged you, you us. Think, I mean, is it a 1 in 12? I guess we've done a study now. It's not 1 in 24. At what point do you just realize that you suck? <laughs> yeah. After, after. <laughs> is it 30 losses? Is it Okay, 40? but here's the thing, though. Do you feel worse for being one of the 30 or one of the 1? Because you went in and decided, you know what, I got this. And you didn't. And you didn't. That guy was 12 and 24 whenever Davis beat him. I was going to say, I guess it depends on when he got the one. I mean, was he one and three or was he No, 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 no. Like, like, uh, he was probably 25 fights in. Yeah, so definitely. When he got it. Definitely being the one. So if if you're James Morrow, who I just completely called out publicly, but... (laughs) Dude, you lost, a, to Mike Davis. you lost to Mike Davis. Uh, I'm, I'm not even worried about what you're going to do to me because you yeah, lost to Mike you Davis. Lost to Mike Davis. So you lost to Mike Davis. Mike's not running, so obviously you're not running if you lost to Mike. So really, all I've got to do is break into a little bit of a jog. I kind of respect Mike though because he's still fighting. Yeah, well, Mike needs the money, and he's not going to blow the money on weird things like going to the dentist. So <laughs> or a treadmill. Oh God, no. No, the world is his treadmill, and he's not going out into that either. That's why he's going to fight for 12 minutes, get 600 bucks, and go the hell home. Well, I didn't expect to be talking about Mike Davis this early. Uh, Hey, Jake, do you know how much the human heart weighs? You're a very smart man. I do not. Um, You're you're very educated. You've got your education in engineering, which is not easy to do, obviously. But, you know, you've had to study the sciences. You don't know how much it weighs? I do not. 24 pounds. 
People are surprised by that. You know how I know it weighs 24 pounds? That's how much I lost in about 12 or 13 days when I had mine unceremoniously ripped out. Ooh. Yeah, doesn't that suck? That's what Ooh. happens when you don't eat for nine days. So that should tell you a little bit of why we've been on a hiatus for the last few weeks. It's because the last seven weeks of my life have basically just been a, an utter living hell. And I'm not too happy about it. We end every episode of this podcast the same way, and we remind people that betrayal never comes from your enemies. Watch your six. That's never been more true than it is right now. The bitter irony is that when you get stabbed in the back, 99% of the time, you're the one who handed them the knife. That's just, just kind of been on my mind for the last seven weeks, and that's why we haven't done any podcasts. But you know what? We're back now, and that's what we're going to deal with tonight briefly. I think I just did. I think I got out what I needed to get out because I really don't want to get sued for defamation of character. Um, well, it's the truth. Let's handle a little business. Uh, if you're listening through a podcast management app like Podcast Addict, thank you. Be sure to subscribe with the RSS feed. It helps you. It helps us. Keep doing it all you want, and you'll get every episode, every highlight, everything that we produce. Otherwise, you're probably listening through the website, apexlive.fireside.fm. You've got every episode. You've got the highlights. You've got resources host bios, guest bios, everything you need related to the podcast you can find at the website. And now, if you want to be able to support the website, you can do that by going there. There's a link up at the top in the menu bar that says Amazon. Click on that link. There's an Amazon banner. If you click on that banner and go through to Amazon, buy whatever you want, we get commission from that. We get commission from everything you buy. That money will go to improve the podcast. It's not going to make me any more mentally stable, or Steve, or Dave, or Jake for that matter, but it will buy us new stuff so we can upgrade the microphones, we can get what we need to have a portable studio and do more shows in different places, all of those types of things. Social media, not hard to find us. Go to Facebook. It's Apex Live Podcast. The Twitter, yeah, we're done with that. I'm pretty well done with Twitter because of... Well, we're just not going to get into that. And... Uh, did some Instagram stuff. Really not too keen on that either right now. So just stick to the Facebook because we can control who's there and we can block people that we don't like. There you go. Check that out. And, of course, our favorite method of communication is email. You can send us thoughts, comments, questions, hate mail. Boy, do we get a lot of that. We get plenty of hate mail. Uh, you can send us that. You can send us audio commentary. We really do enjoy when you send us audio commentary. We'll play that on the show and respond to it in kind. Send us guest suggestions. If you want to be a guest, you can find us there. It's easy. ApexLivePodcast at gmail.com. And other than that, just keep listening. Send us feedback, and we'll do everything we can to entertain you, enlighten you, and probably at some point infuriate you. Jake, we're getting close to football season. It almost is, there. It is almost time for West Virginia football. It is the solace of my life. I wait eight or nine months just to get to 12 weekends, 12 Saturdays, for us to go do a combination of things. Number one, you know, make me extremely happy. Number two, kick me in the face with a golf shoe. <laughs> you going to get to go to Charlotte? Um, you know, that was in the works. I, I was going to go to Charlotte for that game. Um, it looked like I was going to go take somebody with me. That's not going to happen now, so now I'm kind of replanning, reworking some things to see if I can make it down there. I really want to go because I think Tennessee's in huge trouble going into that game. You know, I think fan bases can be judged in this <clears throat> online era of by um, how many fans they have that type in all caps and halfway makes sense. Yes, of course. Tennessee's got a lot of those people. Are any of the words spelled correctly? Maybe six. Okay, that seems right. Out of a 300-word post? Yeah, that's about right. But they are going to kick your ass. Oh, are that's they? In, that's in every post. 
Hmm. I didn't realize T. Martin was still playing. Like it was the, 1998. The Vol Bandit apparently is a guy that goes around and takes pictures with the Tennessee flag at other team stadiums. He takes this picture. And I'm his, impressed. His gut's hanging out from under his shirt. It's a pretty good picture. So, uh, he's a bandit. <laughs> so, I'm guessing he's stealing food? Uh, he's... I don't know. Pro- probably just robbing the convenience store blind of all of their Slim Jims and 11-year-old hot dogs. Oh, it's been an God. experience, I would say, unlike anything we've had in ever, well, definitely since the Georgia game. I mean, it's very similar. The only difference is, is Georgia won the SEC t- t- in 2006, 2005. Tennessee went 4-8 last year, and they lost to Vanderbilt. So did, they not, even, did they win a game in conference no, last year? They did not. I, think, I thought well, they, they had went. to win one. They won... They beat. They probably beat Kentucky. They Kentucky beat. Kentu- they always beat Kentucky. Yeah, they beat Kentucky every year. Well, I don't know. No, it's Florida that never loses to Kentucky. Yeah, Florida hadn't lost to Kentucky in like fifty years. But, yeah, I mean that's pretty much everybody. That's true. So obviously they beat somebody. Uh, they had to have, but obviously it wasn't that important because no one cares what they do. They had Butch Jones as their coach, for God's sake. So, I mean, as far as coming off four and eight season teams go, this has got to be the cockiest bunch of idiots. Well, you know why? Because they're, they're among that group of people who their only means of trying to be productive in the football world when they're that irrelevant is to walk into any venue and start chanting SEC. Well, you, you haven't done anything. <laughs> You've not done anything. There was a point where we were just habitually beating an SEC team every year out of conference. Right. That's what we did. We beat Georgia, then we beat Mississippi State two years in a row, then we beat Auburn. It just it kept happening. I'm not impressed by your conference affiliation at it, all. Don't get me wrong. Tennessee's got great history. Like, big time program. 100,000 people every game. Pre-Peyton Manning. You know, the last 10 years, I don't know what they've really done. The last three, I know what they haven't done. Win? (laughs) Ever? (laughs) Score points? I don't know. It's going to be a fun environment. It will. And and I fully expect them to have a huge turnout. And they will. Speaking of Kentucky, they're a lot like Kentucky basketball in that the standard fan can't really get into Neyland Stadium so it's a close to home game and you're going to see the real East Tennessee Rednecks show up in Charlotte I believe you know that's a good point that's what it's worth going just for the sideshow. I mean, if you remember, I really thought about you remember that. when Kentucky may, went, went to the NIT and lost to Robert Morris, I'll never forget it. I lived in Kentucky for three years. Oh yeah. But, um, that was the game that the, the Hilljack showed up back <laughs> <laughs> the stadium because the season ticket holders weren't going to that. Shit. Well, of course not. Why would they? Why, you know, why would you, why would you board the Titanic after it hit the iceberg? <laughs> that really doesn't make much sense. Say, similar to the type of Tennessee fan I'd say will be coming to Charlotte. <laughs> I'm looking forward I'm really hoping I get to work it out to be at that game because you and I have talked about this for a long time when it comes to West Virginia fans. Our best fans are our road game fans and our bowl game fans. It's incredible because we tend to have the home game fans who get really fired up for the band and then it's third down in the third quarter and it's a 10 point game and they're sitting on their hands or somebody fumbles and they yell at the coach. Now, by far my favorite experience at a Mountaineer football game was the 2010 pit game at Hinesfield. Okay. And, um, pit 
has a little tradition that they've just started about a year ago that before the fourth quarter. That's a real tradition, isn't it? When it is, you start it in 2010. Yes, it's it's big time. Big it's time. not a tradition the first year you do it. Will someone tell these people that? It's our new tradition. No, it's really not. <clears throat> well, you know, Pitt's football program has escalated to these huge heights in the last few years. And they were playing Buffalo and they were losing. <laughs> Not and, the not the bills, by the way. Not, yeah, not the bills. The bulls, I think, is what they're called. <laughs> um, so the guy, the PA guy, plays Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline. Of course he does. And the ten thousand people there sing along, and Pitt comes back, so it becomes this big tradition. Let's fast forward back to our game. We're up thirty-five to ten going into the fourth quarter, and anybody that's ever been to a WVU Pitt game or Pitt Penn State or Pitt Notre Dame in Heinz Field knows that this is Pitt's game to fill the stadium for the year. This is how we make our money, and it's 50-50, maybe even 60-40 road team. It always is, every single time. We happen to know that Sweet Caroline's coming up, so we pack our side, and they're all gone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And, um, of course, we change Let's Go Pitt to Eat Shit Pitt, and people on the sidelines were coming up to me and classes that i was still in school then say man y'all are crazy oh you're all we could hear that was nuts well yeah <laughs> and that's kind of how we do things and that gives me a perfect segue to what happened a year later at mountaineer field because we know this is the last this, this is one of the wonderful stories from section 103 which is where my season tickets are and if if jake comes down to where i'm setting for a game Usually, there's going to be some type of incident, and that's the nice politically correct. Normally, way to with put people that. on the field, people on the field, maybe people in the stands. Yeah, we don't throw anything at them; we just verbally abuse them. They would prefer that we throw things at them, <laughs> considering our behavior. So it, we know going in, this is the last regularly scheduled game between West Virginia and Pitt in the long rivalry, and we get the game, and it's a night game. And it's a very big deal because we've got conference championship hopes on the line. We've got to win this one. Then we've got to beat South Florida the next week on national TV to win the conference, go to the BCS, which we did and beat Clemson 70 to 33. But you know, this is pit. This is the pit game. We've got to do something special and it's a night game and there's something in the air at night games. People don't understand. So we're in our seats. I'm in my seat. Probably. I get there an hour before kick and Jake comes down and there are these two pit fans that are probably a uh, grade school age. And they think it's funny to start yelling things at West Virginia fans and things about pit. And you know, this, this is the pit game. So we're a little extra charged up and I get to hear one of my favorite lines ever uttered at a West Virginia football game. Shut up and get the hell out of here. I'd hate to have to punch a 10 year old <laughs> guilty. Uh, yeah. I'm not the one who did that. So we get into the game, and quite frankly, for the first two and a half quarters, we played like absolute garbage. Got hosed in on the first drive of the game on some calls, and then just played terrible. And then, of course, like we always do in night games, we start charging from behind in the second half, and we end up beating them 21-20. And the, the best part of this game happens, again, end of the third quarter, because where I am in section 103... There's one more section to my left, and then the opposing team section begins, and they're banned. And for the entirety of the third quarter, we're th- we are literally debating, they're, surely they're not going to play that song to start the fourth quarter. It's an away game. They're not going to play that here. 
there's no way they're going to play Sweet Carolina. Now, if they do, we're already telling the people around us, look, if they do it, if you're not aware, this is what we need to do. And here it comes. But there's no way they're going to play Sweet Caroline. Third quarter ends. You get the announcement from the PA. I'd say 30 seconds, 45 seconds goes by. They're not playing it. And we know. Guess they learned their lesson. Nope. Here it comes. And if they thought that 30,000 people screaming it. The first time wasn't that good because everybody wasn't on board. But the second time they went through, there's a video on YouTube out there. From the field. From the field. And the the cheerleaders (laughs) flipped out. But you could not be this stupid to do that at that game. I don't think their cheerleaders knew it was coming. And I'm not sure why they didn't. But... Well, it was bad. Well, it's because they go to the that. University of Pittsburgh. So that happened. My favorite moment, though, of, of that era is probably two years before going into the 2009 game. Because I've never been to a game that meant as much to me as that 2009 Pitt game. Because they're number nine. We need we need to beat them. We're looking for some payback. And and to kind of wash that that taste out of our mouth from two years before and... And Bill Stewart is he needs that signature win for his resume, at least in terms of being the full time head coach. And I think it's six six in the third quarter. And ESPN is not coming out of a timeout, but they're coming out of a just kind of a break in the action and they're doing some stuff on screen graphics, teasing the next game that's coming up. And this is one of the times our sellout crowd to start decides to start chanting eat shit pit and it's just rolling through the stadium Noel just happened to break that ADR as loud as it and it goes straight from that chant into this roar as divine breaks through the line and goes 88 yards for a touchdown and i've never had a moment in my life that has matched that moment at mountaineer field against Pitt, and it makes me so sad that we don't have that game on the schedule anymore because I, especially now as because, much as it does i'm tired of playing charity for their stadium well fair enough i mean i i love the game but well it's not even their stadium they yeah, rent it's they the rent the stadium, stadium. It, yeah. you know, it's the Steelers stadium but still yet it's that's as much of a charity game as the marshall game is the only difference is Pitt is occasionally competitive how funny would it be if we played penn state in hinesfield well, we do. We play. We play Penn State and PNC Park. I know. <laughs> over just, and over and over. Let's again. just play them in Hines and fill the stadium. And yeah, that would be kind of fun. I mean, that would that's just, a really good idea. That would just be. We a do need to do that. Smack in the face of Pittsburgh. So, what are your thoughts going into the season? Because you know, obviously, this is the most anticipated year for West Virginia football, yeah. probably since the 2012 year coming off of the Orange Bowl. You may be able to go back as far as the 07 year going in with Pat and Steve yeah, and Owen and all those I'd guys. I'd say it's 2012. I mean, there was a lot of hype going into 2012. And rightly so. I mean, after we went out and, and put 10 in the end zone against rightly Clemson. Rightly so, but that defense was so bad. Well, we fired. It was so bad. We fired one of the top 10 defensive coordinators in the country at that time so we could hire the janitor because he needed some charity. <laughs> and we also missed a recruiting class the year before because we went through our coaching carousel well that's yeah that's all that's another good point because of all that nonsense that happened that's what it was it was nonsense you know this year we're 10 deep of guys that can actually play on the d-line i know we lost a smurf but if you're listening out there in washington (laughs) yeah he's not listening that's too much like work (laughs) (laughs) darius stills would take that job too (laughs) how that's what makes me feel so bad is that 
Gary Stills has two kids on my team right now. I feel horrible knowing that. I remember watching Gary Stills just terrorizing Syracuse at home in 98 and realizing that was 20 years ago. We got Thornton's kid, too, didn't we? You're not helping. You're not helping. But I, I like what we've got defensively. Um, I think I'm, we'll be. I think we'll be okay. I don't think we're going to be. You're not going to have a top 10, 2011 defense or twenty ten defense. You're not going to have a top ten defense in the Big Twelve. It's just the game is not structured that way in this conference. It's not statistically. It's not going to happen. Now, in style of play and how you can affect the game, you can have that kind of a defense to a to a degree. But you're not going to have these unbelievable statistics like you would in these conferences where everybody runs the same variation of the pro style offense from the NFL. And and just keep generating these high numbers. You're not going to do it. Look, let's face it. Georgia had a great defense last year. Look at what Oklahoma put on that defense. Well, and the offense has got to answer too. I mean, we started the Oklahoma State game last year with two turnovers. We got nothing out of them. We gave up 50 points. I get that, but we've got to capitalize. Absolutely, 100. percent We got to capitalize. 100. percent Well, we did the same. Look at what happened against Oklahoma two years ago. The snow game. I understand it was twenty eight nothing, but we literally handed fumbled three times. We handed them everything in that game. And once we settled down and started to play a little bit, we just about played them even. Just about played them even. And let's face it, that was not a team that had Will Greer at quarterback. Yeah, I like Scholar. Scholar played as hard as he possibly could. He got every everything out of every drop of talent that he had. I like Skyler until Skyler threw the ball into the second row and walked over onto the sideline pumping his hands up in the air. Which game was that? That was the same game. The snow game. Really? It's, I don't remember him doing that. It was that. on the other sideline. It wasn't on. It, I mean, obviously it was because right. he was walking back to the Mountaineer bench. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize he did that. And at what point, what was the score at this point? 21 nothing, I think. It was third and eight, and he had a wide open receiver standing over there, and he fired it almost in at least fifteen rows. Up. Well, that seems just about right. And that, I mean, that's stupid. For I mean, the dude won what thirty games? He did, and he won. Uh, he won ten that year. But it was also a ten game win. Played three season. ranked teams and lost those three games by. Average twenty some points. Did that. you go to the bowl game that year? Yeah. Did you, you went to the game in, in Orlando. Yeah, that was about the most embarrassing thing that yeah, I have attended. Terrible. And remember, I went to the Gator Bowl against Maryland. I was there too. You know, I, I've seen a lot of embarrassing things, but that was a, that was also a Maryland team that, quite honestly, kicked the crap out of us earlier in the year. And wasn't that game too? Wasn't and both Maryland beat down. And they asked Rodriguez. This is when I knew we were screwed. Because we, we went on a run. After we beat Virginia Tech, we went on a run, beat Pitt, had a great year. And we go into that game with Maryland, and I think we all thought, we're gonna, we've, this is going to be a different game. This is going to be a different game than it was the first time. So they do an interview with Rodriguez before the game, and I'm in Florida as he's giving this interview. And they said, you know, what changes have you made, game plan, personnel? And he said, you know, the game plan's pretty much the same. Uh, we took Jeremy Hines off the of center and, and put Dan Moses in. We got beat thirty-four to seven. That that was your switch. That, that that's your magic potion. Well, it worked because we got beat forty-one to seven because we can't keep ourselves from kicking to Steve Souter. I think that game was the inaugural put Hales in game. I yeah, think there's I think still was. people in the stands that want to put Charles Hales in. I do. I want to put Charles Hales in right now. <laughs> I would let him be my quarterback. In fact, here's here's how 
insistent I am about putting Hales in the game. I don't know what Rashid Marshall does now, but I think he's going to do commentary for one of the games this year. We should put Hales I in. I think at halftime they ought to pull him out of the booth and put Charles Hales in to do the second half. <laughs> yeah. Just like the Boston College game when Rashid was hurt and he came in and we won 35-28. Yeah, put in Charles Hales. That is my that is my battle cry. And yeah, I was never I was I didn't hate Rashid Marshall. Rashid was good at what he did. And he was good in a straight line. The problem was you could put somebody in a folding chair at midfield and they would tackle him because he's not getting around anybody. Rashid won us what I still think are the two biggest back-to-back wins we've had. In okay, were you at those games? Know. I was at neither one of those games. You did not go to either the Virginia Tech or the Pitt game. I was game not in Virginia. That's how big they were. You knew exactly which games I was talking about. I was about. at both of those games. I loved to have been at those games. I was at the Virginia Tech game. This was 2002, and it was on a Wednesday night. This is another one of my favorite mountaineer, legendary mountaineer stories about how insane some of our people are. And we go in, and it's, of course, the it's the inner Sandman entrance. Oh, you mean the the uh, heavy metal song that came out in '91, and you didn't start using it until 2000, and you ripped it off from about 730 high schools across the country before you started doing it, and then you jump up and down and and lose to Pitt because that's what you do is you jump up and down and lose because nobody's really all that concerned about your entrance once you're going out and underachieving like you do after October every year. And of course, then it's the altered enter Sandman lyrics, which are exit light enter jail, which I think is good for the Hokies. So that game is probably, if I'm going to be honest, it's probably one of the top five games in terms of quality that I've ever attended. And that's saying something because that that was a great game defensively, offensively. It had everything. It had every moment. It had special teams. It had big plays. It had long drives, everything. So get to the end of the game. And the iconic moment of that game is the goal line stand. They break the first down run, get it to the one, stop them on second, stop them on third. And then on fourth down, Grant Grant Wiley jumps over the line, over the line jumps. If you've not seen it, I uploaded that game was not on YouTube. For a long time. I'm the one who uploaded it to YouTube in its entirety. So check that out and watch Grant Wiley. It's jump. one of the greatest gut check plays and not in Mountaineer football, of all football. Any well, game, period. I mean, you, it's just the play is amazing. He doesn't even – it's it's Major's run against Penn State. And that's when Tony Caridi also kind of got his first shining call because the Suggs' stop call is pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, stop short. And I remember this so vividly because I was up at the top of – their stadium and up in the corner where they stick the visitors and I am watching this play take place and I'll never forget the clock stopped at 351 and we were up at that point 2116 and Grant jumps over the line takes Suggs's legs out from under him we stop him and everybody around me is just losing their minds and I'm sitting down <laughs> Too saying, much time. saying nothing and my friend Aaron was with me. He had never been to an away game. And he's just losing it. He thought I didn't see the play. And he's just, we stopped him. We stopped him. I looked up and I said, 351, they're getting the ball back. And he just kind of turns, looks in the field and goes, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're getting the ball back. So as we normally do, three up the gut and then step out of the back of the end zone because the memories of 96 still haunt us. Which was you know the right call. Absolutely. Cool. You got to do that. Absolutely. Take the safety, trust your defense, which has played well to that point anyway. 
and steps out of the end zone. They get the ball. Of course, Todd James kicks it out of bounds, so they get the ball at the 50. And I think we all... I wasn't nervous until Randall had that scramble and took off up the sideline and got him deep into field goal. You're seeing Vic. And I just thought, they are not going to do this again. And I think it was one more play. He rolled to his right, threw it to Wilford, and, and missed him short. And then the interception by Brian, Brian King, King in, the hands. in the back of the end zone. And it was it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen, especially when you put it along the same lines as the game that happened 10 days later, the week of Thanksgiving at Pitt, which basically was looking like it was going to end the same way. Right. And they're going to drive down, and we're up 24-17. And ben, I think it was Ben Collins jumped up and knocked the pass down on the last play of the game because you know that was the Larry Fitzgerald years in Pitt, 02 and 03, where you could put six people on him, and somehow he's still going to catch it. Yeah, he's still the best player I've ever seen live. And I, I, I was on the next year when we played Pitt, about the third row on about the forty. In 2003. 2003. Oh, the third 52 game, of course. Yeah. Yeah, we killed them. But they threw a pass over to – was Palco the quarterback? Or was that a guy before Palco? It wasn't Palco. It was well, some, I don't know. Palco was – Palco had to be there for more than one Palco year. Palco started as a freshman, and he was there in 04. Okay. So whoever it was in – I can't remember who it was in 03. It might, I'll tell you, it's it Rod might Rutherford. have been Rod Rutherford. It's Rod Rutherford. Yeah. He was there 0-2-0-3. So he throws a ball over to the left sideline, and I i mean, everybody knew who Larry was. I'd never seen him play. The Brian King was the safety that comes up. And I, Lance Frazier, somebody was the cornerback. I don't remember. Not important. They yeah, go Lance up. is who they put on him because they, they put up. him in a safety over the top. Okay. So they go up and they make a decent play. Larry hits Brian King in the head with his knee and catches the ball. I'm like, okay, how do you guard that? Well, you don't guard it. I don't know what you even do. We yep, beat him 52-31. So. I remember we scored the last touchdown. Quincy, I think, broke a run and scored to put it away, and Bill Hillgrove was doing radio for Pitt. And as soon as he scored, he said, touchdown, West Virginia, and this is a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Bill, it is. got to run faster. You would think, you would think that if you're going to use the same guy for the Steelers as you do for Pitt, that you would at least get someone that's friggin' good on the radio because bill hillgrove sucks terrible he is and i'll you know love the steelers hate Pitt. jack fleming did steelers games for 20 some years bill hillgrove sucks you could put me in the booth with no prep and i can do a game better than bill hillgrove can it's it's just dreadful and i'm very picky when it comes to radio play by play because i used to do it and it's one of my favorite things to do i don't know how the man has a job it's yeah, just dreadful. He's hard to listen to. And it, when he had Myron Cope, I'm a Steeler fan that can't stand Myron Cope. Well, he he was a guy that was, quite honestly, he was a novelty. And that's all he could be, was a novelty. Because he brought no actual analysis. He brought no no actual input that enlightened a single He tries to sling one-liners all day. Right. And and that there's no place for that. As funny as Skip Carey was doing Braves games for so many years, he was also a dynamite radio broadcaster right and it was incredible i don't care what was happening in a game if you can tell me that i get to pick any any broadcaster on the home side of a game going into the bottom of the ninth i want skip carey calling that game i have a pretty sizable radio archive for west virginia football braves baseball 
all kinds of things. And I have a copy of the entire bottom of the ninth of the Sid Bream game in 92. Not just the last play. I have the entire inning. If you can listen to that and not get chills, whether you're a Braves fan or not, it's one of the most amazing things you'll ever hear in sports. Yeah, Pirates. Okay, fun story. I spent, you know, that game was October of 92. I've spent my entire life looking for the Pirates broadcast of that because I wanted to hear the call right. of that game ending because I wanted to hear what happens. About eight months ago, I found it. So, so I've heard Bob Walk talk about it, and it's so sad, but it's so funny because I can't stand Bob Walk. He is kind of a dick. But it's it's one of those things, I know what it feels like to be on the other end of that situation. I I know what it's like to be on the radio when when a game goes bad at the end. Right. Because I've had to do it. But that one is so iconic. I wanted to hear exactly what it sounded like when Lanny Frateri thought, I'm, I'm going to call a World Series. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. Well... I mean, surely they've they've done nothing for eight innings. They had one threat in like the sixth and did nothing with it. Drabeck's unhittable. And then Jose Lean, the best defensive second baseman in baseball, tries to backhand one in the hole and boots it. And there's a moment in that ninth inning. Pendleton leads off the inning with a double. Justice hits the hard grounder to second, lean boots it. And I think it's either after that happens, or it's after the next at bat when Sid Bream walks. Whoever it is that's doing color commentary, as for Terry's calling it, he goes, oh no. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh no. And I thought, yeah, that is the understatement of the century, because you are so beyond screwed. I'll tell you, I've got that. I don't have any of the World Series games in their entirety, and I wish I did. I wish I had the 95 World Series in its entirety. But the one that just rips me apart, I can't deal with the 91 World Series. Game 7 of the 91 World Series makes me as sick as anything in the world. I've been I've been to SunTrust Park four or five times on different trips, and they do Alumni Sunday every Sunday and bring in former Braves players, and they do autographs, and everybody gets to go through if they ever have Lonnie Smith there, I won't go because I will, I will go to jail. I will, abs- I will go across the table and beat the hell out of Lonnie Smith. I hate Lonnie Smith <laughs> because, and I understand Jack Morris played an amazing game. He pitched an amazing game that night and so did Smoltz. But Lonnie Smith is the reason why we didn't win that game because you got to second base and acted like not you have never played baseball, like you forgot how to run. It looked like your legs were on backwards. I don't know what was wrong. You could not possibly get that fooled by what just happened on a double in the gap and ends up at third. They walk the next hitter. Bream hits into a double play inning over. We lose one nothing in 10. It's, it just makes me I can't even I can't watch it. That's how I am with the 96 one. And it's for a different reason. It wasn't one game. Oh, it was God. The Layritz game. When, when you go into Yankee Stadium and play like that, and then you come home, and then you look like a minor league. You you look like a, 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 a rookie league team. Well, we were up, what, 5-1? to one? Yeah. Weren't we up 5-1 to one in that game? Yeah. And then it got to 5-2, and it's like, well, we're going to bring our closer in. Everything's going to be fine. And then it just implodes. Here's the worst part of that. We were, let's see, we won the first two. They won game 
three, the right? Three. And then we won four. Well, it's how we won the first two. No, mean, no, no. Game four is when the implosion no, happened. No, it's when the implosion. Yeah, they won. Okay, so, we didn't win another game after the first So two. this is what's disgusting. Game two of the World Series at Yankee Stadium is the last World Series game we've won. Yeah. We went to one more and got swept in four. At least because we won we it so, like 11 to two or something. Just beat them to death and beat Andy Pettit, I think, in that game. And it's just, it was just deplorable to watch what happened. And that's what just drives me crazy. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull up. I know this is probably against copyright law, but I'm going to pull up the end of that game from the Pirates Network. So you can, you've never heard I've it. I've never heard you? it. No. Okay, let's see if I can get it. All right, I've got it queued up. You ready to hear the, the greatest call in the history of the, uh, the Atlanta Braves in the playoffs? Let it roll. And it's not from our network. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Come on, Lanny. Two balls and one strike. Pendleton let off with a double. Justice reached base on the leaned error. Bream walked. And that was the end of Doug Drebeck's night. Then Gann with a sacrifice fly. Barrio walked to load the bases. Hunter popped up to second baseman leaned. Stan Belinda with a 2-1 pitch. Cabrero swings and lined the ball in the left field. It's a base hit. Justice scores. Here comes Bream. Bond with a throw to the play. Bream is safe, and the Atlanta Braves have won the National League pennant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tune in next year. <laughs> are the champions of the National League. You know, don't you just wish that he would have turned into Harry Doyle from the Major League movies and uh, said, "Oh, the hell with it. We're going to commercial." <laughs> Holy shit, Bobby! But that's it. That that's the call. And and I tell you what, I don't blame him for that call being that way because there's there's nothing else the only thing that would have been acceptable more than that would have been the sound of his headset bouncing yeah, off of I the mean, window of the press box of him no leaving. that's how you have to call that that's as, fantastic as the losing team that is fantastic that's the only way to do that that's great well the other way to do it would be to to give the old well it was an amazing season and we yeah, fell just short yeah, you don't do that right there and, and it's him yelling off axis i was that close to call it a world series and that son of a bitch stan belinda has to groove one to a guy who's dead pull it couldn't go the other way to save his life thanks a lot stan i hope you're happy <laughs> you know where are kenny and kyle i know where kenny and kyle are. um <laughs> all, all that's missing is an eric oh my god all right well we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we're going to try to ambush Dave Markert and talk a little bit about his time in the early days of Apex and see if he has any any of those magical Mike Davis memories. I don't know. He'll, he'll come up with something. Ambush interviews are our favorite. We'll come back with that right after this. It's episode 13 of Apex Live. We'll be right back. Oh, my God. I've never had a friend get beat up by a midget wrestler before. At least it was scripted. Well, that's true. It, it, it is even worse whenever it's impromptu and just happens in the parking lot at Kroger. Right. We're back for more of episode 13 of Apex Live. I'm Brad. Jake's setting in tonight. Okay. So what do you think? Should we ambush Dave? Let's try to get Dave. I think we should try to ambush Dave and just see how horrible this gets. The last time it was happening because Dave... I think he, he sent me a message of some sort during the show and I thought... You know, this is disrespectful. We're tr- we're trying to record here, and you're sending messages. 
I'm hoping he answers. We will hit Dave harder than Mike Davis did. Again, not difficult to do. Alright, let's see how this goes. This is my own fault for doing this kind of stupid stuff. Does he have any idea you're calling him? Well, he does now. The phone ring. Well, I mean before the phone ring. No, probably not. Great. I'm going to be pissed if he doesn't answer. You're running my show, Dave. See, this is what is so stupid. I know he's not busy. <laughs> he has nothing to do. He's not doing anything. Is it raining? The wireless... Eh, you'll pay for that one. He will pay for that one. Aww. All right, so let's look a little deeper into the West Virginia season because yeah, this, we, this is important. We're, we kick off, what is it? Is it September 2nd? September 1st. We September went off 1st. on a historic That's right, it is the first. We haven't, got, we haven't gotten into it. So all of the attention is completely focused upon Will Greer and the Heisman run and the offense and everything that we're going to be able to do. But I think one thing that's being overlooked, and this is unfortunate that it's being overlooked, is this schedule is front-loaded with a little bit of difficulty, and it's back-loaded with some difficulty, but most of our toughest games are at home. And we get Oklahoma at home on Black yeah, Friday. We've, we've we have the to right go, Big 12 schedule. We've got to go to Texas, but Texas does not scare me. I'm not worried. I'm not worried should. about I'm not worried about Texas. I'm, I'm absolutely not worried about Texas. There is not a team in the country that for the last 25 years has done less with more than Texas. Not one. They are unbelievable at that. And if that's the only game that we look at and think, yeah, we're going to have some trouble, we're going to be fine. Uh, Iowa State's got a good team. NC State's got a good team. I think Iowa State has a great underrated coaching staff. They have a remarkably good coaching staff, and he, Matt Campbell will not be there for very long. No. No, he's going to run as soon as he gets a decent offer. And... You know, obviously the other one's Oklahoma State because they have that capacity to just rebuild and plug pieces mm. into that offense. But I like the way that, for the most part, every year that we've been in this conference, we have gone in and hung with Oklahoma State without a single problem. Because I think, even despite the Boone Pickens money, I think they are very comparable to us in the way that they do things, the way that they perform their history, all of those things. I think they're very comparable. Yeah, Kansas State's comparable to them. As long as Snyder's there, they're not going to be bad. You know... The wind still blows in Lubbock. When you still look at those, when you look at those two years when Bill Snyder wasn't there, and no, the utter horrible. disaster that Ron it's, Prince was, it's horrible. They, they will honestly, if they have to, they will keep him around as long as Grambling kept Eddie Robinson around. And Eddie Robinson had no idea where he was for the last I mean, few years at Grambling. Last, not this past January, but the January before, the guy had cancer. <laughs> And he just, he didn't even think about, there wasn't like, we're going to put him on temp. No, we're just going to go, we're going to go ahead and we'll reschedule a recruiting visit. Or, yeah, that's nice. You've got cancer, but you're coaching us next year. Yeah, we're also going to move kickoff to 330 because I have to have chemo at 12. But yeah, we're going to, I'm going to be there. guy's a badass. <laughs> there is not a coach in all of football that I respect more than I respect Bill Snyder. Because he did not go in and improve Kansas State. He literally is Kansas State. Kansas State yes. football is Bill Snyder, and that's as simple as it gets. Yeah. And some of the stuff that he's done, and I know I don't want to get 
this isn't an overly emotional statement, but it's just, it's very true. He is the embodiment of what a coach is. When you see a, a player that gets injured for another team and he sends them a handwritten note trying to lift them up and, and tell them he's praying for them and, and the encouragement, he did that with Trevon Boykin from TCU. He did it with Clint Trickett uh, when, when Clint had his season ended against Kansas State or didn't get a did he did he play that game and Skyler came in uh, late yeah or came Schuyler, in early no Skyler came in late we were getting beat pretty bad and Skyler came in through a couple touchdowns and almost brought us back but it was but. just one of those things you see what he does and he gets the point that coaching is about a whole lot more than just getting paid and getting the wins and losses you see the way he impacts lives college especially the way college sports are going now it's, it'll be a tremendous loss whenever Bill Snyder is not around to coach anymore because he has done so much. But just in terms of what he means to Kansas State, it is unthinkable of what will happen to that program. Because I know, I know people get on him because he wants Sean to step right in as the coach. I don't care if Sean is the next incarnation of Bob Stoops who got his start under Bill Snyder because Snyder can recognize coaching talent. He's still not going to be Bill Snyder. People are not going to flock to go play for Sean Snyder. There's not a JUCO recruit in the country that I don't think Bill Snyder can go get and convince to come to Manhattan, Kansas. Get on Google Maps and look at the satellite. There's nothing in Manhattan. It's a fun town, though. People want it's to a try- flat Morgantown. But people try to tell me oh, it's it's tough getting people to come to Morgantown. Morgantown's known for being a party atmosphere. Manhattan, Kansas. First of first of all, I had fun there. First of all, it's Kansas. What, what year did you go out there? I was out there for a conference in. Oh, 2013 or 14. It wasn't for a game. The students weren't even there, and we still had fun. But so you've not been for a game. I've not been for a game. No, that's one of those. Pl- I wouldn't mind going to, to Kansas State for a game. That's what I'm saying, though. Why do we need to play Pitt when we? I mean, that's a fun trip. That's a fun fan base. You're not going to get told you bang your sister. Yeah, but at the, uh, that's the. I, I, can you believe how arrogant the Iowa State people are for behaving uh, this way? I hate those people. But at the same time, yeah, I'm not going to Kansas for a football game. No. That that makes if their people don't go, why should I? Right. So that's kind of pointless. Kansas State, I think, would be fun because their people are always nice. And even though I make fun of their program because of all the crime and everything that's happened, the Baylor people have been nothing but but generous when they've talked about their experiences in Morgantown. They have loved coming to WVU, even though they've never won here. But I think you're kind of getting to my point in, you know, when you're not scared of Texas, you're not scared, but there's no Temple, there's no Rutgers. No, there's the schedule. Well, there's Kansas. There's Kansas. There is Kansas. It's But Kansas is... Okay, so Kansas takes the place of the Mac school. But you do get, you do get the... The benefit of having them in basketball. So at least it's not a complete waste to have to deal with them. But so your football schedule is you're able to schedule an extra big-time program. We're able to go to NC State plus Tennessee because you play Kansas. Sure. Kansas is a bye week. They're essentially Buffalo. Um, And what scares me is, is, you know, the hype is the hype. Vegas has us at seven games for a reason. Do I think we're going to win more than seven games? Absolutely. But... Is that what the over-under is? It's a flat seven? It's a flat seven. And I'm 100% on the over. But when we're sitting here with Vegas, and yeah, the Big 12 coaches have us projected second. Sure. When Vegas has you at a flat seven, you can't have people out there saying we're firing the coach if we don't win 10 games. 
that's just not... Oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You, are you, are you suggesting that we, that there are elements in a fan base uh, like ours that are saying that if we don't win 10 games in a season, which is something that's only happened a handful of times in our history, comparatively speaking, that we should fire the coach? I mean, aren't those expectations a little outlandish? To be fair to those people, they're... Some of them are saying 10 games, a lot of them are saying... Big 12 championship game, which is you're not going to that unless you win at least nine. I mean, you're not going to go seven and five and play in Dallas the way the structure's set up. Right. So, I mean, you're you're asking for nine or ten, and at that point, you know, yes, this is a there's a lot of big expectations this year. There's Heisman Trophy expectations. There's playoff expectations. There's title expectations. I think if we win eight with this schedule, it's a successful year. And then there's three toss-ups. You're not going to win 12. Alabama's won 12 in the regular season once in the last seven years. Sure, and that was the year they beat Notre Dame for the national championship, right. I think. Right, That's their one lone undefeated season. That was so it. you're not going undefeated. You might no. as well just throw that out the window. Well, and I think the fact that teams in the current setup because you've got a fourteen playoff, so now you've got more teams that are saying, "Well, we've got to schedule tougher out of conference." Which we have, and that's what we've done. That's what a lot of teams have done. But that also takes away the possibility that you're going to go in and get an undefeated season. So now, I think that's the the primary reason for me that look realistically, you're not going to go to sixteen teams in a playoff, and certainly nothing bigger than that. But at some point, you do have to kind of go to eight. You have to go to eight, just because uh, the numbers don't make sense if you don't go to eight. Oh, eight makes okay. There's five major conferences. The conference championship game is a play-in game, so that title that you're essentially going to sixteen because that title game is a play-in game. Yes. The winner is in. Then you have two wild cards, and then you let the little schools have their team. Yes. So Central Florida gets in last year. There's your eight. And I'm and I am totally, totally fine with that. Ultimately, there are still people who insist I'm sure there's probably a couple of insiders on the WVU message board who insist that we're going to five super conferences, you know, at some point in the near future, which I mean that's an interesting thought, but yeah, it's but- nowhere even remotely close into the future. And that would work out well because then you've got the five super conferences, everybody's champion gets in, you do three wild cards, you've got your eighteen playoff. But it's, that's just, it's not realistic, especially not short term. So right now, you've still got to have, I think still the best option for an 18 playoff is you've got five power conferences. The five champions get in, you get your 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 sixth, whoever, whatever they are, and then you're two at large and you're done. And that that is the only way that it works. And you don't have any complaining because if well, you've got a team. You're going to have some complaining, but like Jay Billis says, when you're complaining about 65 instead of, yes. or 67, and when you're complaining about nine instead of five, when you're complaining nine instead of three, that's a big difference. Absolutely. That's is. a big difference. And Billis, for as much as a, of a dick as he can be, is an incredibly astute guy as a commentator. He's you a know, really sharp guy. At that point, when you're number nine in the country, you've lost three games. Yeah. Especially you've the way two. things are set up now. I just want to. I want to see some more balance in terms of what we regard as fair, and some more objective standards rather than subjective standards. Because when you've got a team that did not even play in their conference championship game, that is in the playoff with four teams, and you have a Power Five conference champion that is not in the playoff. Two. 
You see what I'm? It just it, that doesn't fit well, to you, me. You have to adapt conference champions because everybody can't play everybody. Yes, professional sports, everybody plays everybody except for the NFL and the NFL. Anybody, the, anybody not named the Cleveland Browns can beat anybody any given Sunday. That's very true. So you could take. Oh, you, I didn't. I didn't tell you. I'm backup quarterback this year. <laughs> yeah, if Baker, if, if Baker gets hurt, I'm in. Now I'm probably going to fake an injury so I don't have to go play, but I'm at least on the roster. That's kind of fun. I mean, Vegas has tall buildings because of home underdogs in the NFL. <laughs> that's that's where they make their money. You know, I've said it for years. Uh, there are only certain things I'll gamble on. Uh, baseball's a crapshoot because it takes one one pitcher to have a bad day, and he slept on the wrong side, and he goes out and gives up eight runs. I can bet on college football and win. I can bet on boxing and win. If you bet on the NFL, you're insane. Because literally, even the Browns, technically, every team in the league is full of professional players. That's what they do. And if you see a home underdog that's given seven points, take it. Take it. Every time. You're in, you will never see a point spread in the NFL more than 14 points. No. I mean, the Patriots had that see it. historic year a few years ago where they were hitting 21-point spreads. But outside of that one anomaly, because that's what anybody – but outside of that one single anomaly yes. in the last 60 years of the NFL or whatever it is – It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And that's how you make money. It's, it's the same reason and the same logic that – I can bet on boxing whenever it finally becomes fully legal to do so. I can do that, and I can win and win big. Because do I think that here in a few weeks, Canelo Alvarez is going to beat Gennady Golovkin in the rematch? No. No, I don't think he's going to win. Am I going to bet on Golovkin? No. Why? Because Canelo is the cash cow in Vegas. That's why Golovkin won on my card, 116-112. Some people had him winning 117-111. And you had one judge who had it one eighteen one ten for Canelo, and we did a we did a show as a preview episode three for our more astute listeners who who know our history. We did a show where we recorded before the fight and recorded after the fight, and we gave her all of our pre-fight analysis. And I said, I think Golovkin will win the fight. I don't think he can win a decision. If I had money on the fight, I'd put it on the draw because they're not going to take the fight away. Mm-hmm. How did it end up? A draw. I mean, I've been around this sport long enough to know. Boxing is all about making the bets that you think are safe. Yeah, it was... Not who you're actually going to win the fight. The same is true with the NFL. College, you can at least kind of... You you can usually figure out who's a live dog in college football. If you really know what you're watching and understand the game beyond what Lee Corso and Herb Street say on college game day at 1030 before they're making their picks. If you want to lose your ass on football, listen to what the people say on college game day make picks. Take the Bears picks. Yes, that's how you want. Well, it's the Bear, and he said that they uh, this, this team has only covered three times out of the last nine games. So and I'm, I'm going to take Virginia to beat Alabama uh, and take the points. People bet that stuff, in, idiot. Don't you? You know, if that information's available to the Bear, <laughs> the guys in Vegas know that too. If you want to listen to anything about sports, there's a reason why Vegas looks the way it looks. The people in Vegas know exactly what they're doing. So I'm going to listen to what they say. Now, along the lines of what you were saying, are we going to win more than seven games this year? Absolutely we are. But but I think in terms of what they have our over-under at this year, that is more of an indicator for me 
that they see some things that we need to identify as problem areas and problem issues going into the season. Well, but they also don't see those. I mean, it's based on a percentage of win of every game, and we've yes. got a lot of 60-40s. Boy, do we. We do. don't have a Boy, lot of 80-20s. I mean, you know. And that's the nature of the beast in the conference. It just is. And back to the point about the playoffs, you know, USC getting into the playoffs doesn't need to depend on who won the UCLA-Purdue game. (laughs) And that's the world we live in right now because conference champions aren't honored. So UCLA went out and played Purdue, and I don't know if they've ever even played each other, but that's just an example. You know, right. Let's say UCLA plays Purdue, and Purdue beats them by two touchdowns. And then Ohio State turns around and beats Purdue 42-10, to 10, and USC only beats UCLA 42-21. to 21. Right. All right? You put those two resumes together, that tells you absolutely nothing. You've gained no knowledge. You know nothing about the difference in those two teams. And anybody, you, you can put any talking head in that room and they can come up with any kind of proof or story they want to. The bottom line is uh, they're picking which team they think are going to have the better ratings in the playoffs. Or or they go to the, straight to the transitive property. And that's just They terrible. go to the transitive national it's champions area. I mean, one year, wasn't it a Division three school that was the transitive no, national you could, champion? Fairmont State's won it three years in a row. <laughs> And Pitt's caused it every year because Pitt's gone out and lost to, like, Furman, and then they beat Clemson. Okay. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) Have you you seen the thing with the college football championship belt? Yeah. Do you know who has it right now? No. Pitt. Because Miami had it, and Pitt beat them. And then Pitt didn't play in a bowl game, so they didn't lose it. Pitt has the belt. Well, we had the thing on Reddit and basketball for a while there about oh, the, the, uh, the, the territories. Com- yeah, the dominions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, people just have way too much time. They but, do. <laughs> I mean, you can you can go out and prove that so-and-so is better than somebody else any way you want to. Well, Use conference you champions. You say you can. Use conference champions. Use people that play each other. I'm fine with that. I, I just want to see some more objective standards that do not strictly cater to the sec ratings juggernaut over everything else and that's exactly what's happening and let's face it georgia georgia played extremely well in the rose bowl they played extremely well in the national championship game if their moron defensive coordinator doesn't create a sack on one play and in a I think it was second and long at that point. It was second and 20-something, I think. And he goes into a cover two. How are you not in a cover four in that situation for the national championship and you've got the lead? How are you not in a cover four? At least. At least on one side if they're overloading one side. I, I, I will never understand that call. They played extremely well. Georgia had every reason to be there. And I understand Alabama won the game. They won the national championship. But I understand the gripe when they didn't even play for the conference championship. I get the gripe. Yeah, I I understand the gripe. Now, do we need to go strictly in terms of conference champions the way that it's structured now? You can't. You can't. It would take some restructuring to make that feasible and to make it any more legitimate than what's going on now. That's why I I get the gripe, but I want to see the champions plus your Alabama and one. Yes, and like I said, go ahead and let your Central Florida play for that's a, it. See, but that's a great point. That is a great point. Alabama, you can gripe that they didn't belong in the four, but they had every right to be in the eight. To be in the eight. So if you had a, if you had five and then Alabama and Ohio State, 
or Alabama and Auburn, and then you have Central Florida. And you really couldn't have had Alabama and Auburn and Georgia because the rest of college football would have lost their minds if you had three SEC right. teams out of eight. And I and that that's and, overkill. And I get that. Let's be honest with Central Florida here. Okay, it's a great story that but they're they the national undefeated. champions, Jake. You know, uh, bowl games are great. They're fun. A team that thought they were going to be playing in the playoffs that goes to the Peach Bowl doesn't care about the Peach Bowl. Yeah. They just don't. Central Florida has had a point to prove. All you got to do, you don't have to look further than what happened in San Diego last winter when West Virginia plays Marshall in basketball and the game actually matters to both teams. Uh Uh-huh. And you see what happens. Yeah, the utter beatdown. And it was... It was men against boys. Let me give you another... Until Odd Elmore came in, and then it was men against fat slow men. <laughs> fat middle-aged slow men. You're supposed to be a little... You're supposed to be a little slow whenever you're 56 years old. Can we just talk about that stat line a for a sophomore. second? Please do. Can we just Please stop, do. stop and talk about that Let's stat? Let's hear it. 45 seconds. Okay. Four fouls. A three, an assist, and a technical. Oh, my gosh. You know, you've almost... First of all, you almost have to try to do that. <laughs> Second of all, you know, for years, the old school basketball mind said you you have to have a goon. You have to have a you know. For years, West Virginia had one. We would have the rest of the team, and then we'd have Matt Roadcap that came in, and he would foul people and hurt them, and then leave because you had to have a goon. It's an enforcer in hockey. But you really don't have that in the modern game because there's so much parity. You really can't give a scholarship away to a goon. But even your worst goon ever does not get four fouls in 45 seconds. And you know what? He was amused by it. He was. He really enjoyed and he went was. straight to Twitter and was <laughs> talking about exactly what he did. He hit a three, too. Yeah, he did. That's a lot the of work. The goon can't shoot. That's a lot of work. <laughs> well, there's the title of the episode, The Goon Can't Shoot. But you know, isn't that really the, that's really the point of this? That was the game that wasn't, it would, I think it was Vernon, it was Vernon Bailey from WVSports.com, said that he was on the floor before before West Virginia played Murray State that night, and Marshall just had their big upset over, who did they play? Wichita State? Yeah, Wichita yeah. State. And they're on the floor, and West Virginia takes the court, and Dan D'Antoni sees West Virginia take the floor, and does that little smug smile and says, bring them on. Um, we're not playing at the Civic Center, right? You and that's moron. for people that don't know the whole story. And there. we, but we did, we, we did bring it. We did bring it, and it was it was offensive to small children who were forced to watch that game. I mean, I've watched, but I've watched Sweet Sixteen. I've watched Elite Eight teams play, um, Mar- West Virginia teams play Marshall teams that didn't have a winning record mm-hmm. in the Civic Center. Sure, in games that only mattered to one team, and Marshall won. They won the game, and then they turned the around. And then they turned around the next week and lost to Southern Miss Community College, <laughs> not the Southern Miss. Not Eagles. even real, yeah, not even real Southern Miss. Southern Miss is junior college. And Alabama A and M, and when it matters, the same amount to both teams, and that's why. I, yes, we're going to let Central Florida or whoever is that team that comes out win, but they're going to have to win three games against real teams that actually care. Absolutely. And if they do it, then I'm not saying they can't do it. But Maybe the, they can. But the fact that they would have to do that is precisely why no one's ever going to put them in a four-team playoff. They went undefeated. You're more likely to see a two-loss team from a Power Five 
in that playoff than an undefeated American Conference champion. I mean, we lived the American Conference for a few years. Now, there were a couple of years when the the new Big East was better than people want to give it credit for. But you had... When we were in there and, and Cincinnati had Brian Kelly, and you, know, you had some talent had some in talent, that conference. But you still had four games that were 80-20 games. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if we're that. back to that 80-20. If, if that. that. I mean, there were some teams that were horrible. There are you can make the case that the American Conference now is better than it was the last year or two that we were in it because Memphis can play. Yeah. Memphis can play some football right now. Now, how long that that's the question for me. They had two really fun shootouts with Central Florida, but I don't know how sustainable things are. For Memphis, I don't know how sustainable things are with Central Florida. It's sustainable when you play. I mean, you saw that East Carolina team that was in their conference walk into our stadium. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't stop a high school team. No, not at all. I mean, and when you're playing teams like that, and then you've got – Memphis and Central Florida can wait for each other for three weeks. We also didn't play very well in that East Carolina game and still did what we did. Yeah, we played fine in the first half. Yeah, because then we realized – I don't even really think we got to come back out. I, mean, I, think, we scored, I think we're good. We scored 55 points and a half. What does that tell you? And that's where we are. I, in the Big 12, in the SEC, you play, even when you're playing your Texas Techs, who are the bottom, the, just above the bottom rung. Kansas is the bottom rung. Sure. But you're playing that, and the Big 10's got 14 teams. I'm not talking about, yes, there's a Rutgers. All right. Right. I get there's that one team. But so you play nine games, you get one freebie. You right. have eight games that you got to get up for, or you're going to lose. Ohio State lost to Northwestern. I mean, I know it. You know, I mean, it happens if you don't get up for it. All right, two more, two more things we've got to talk about. First of all, you had a particular gripe with an article that was posted on the Smoking Musket, which is a WVU athletics coverage blog website of some sort and and i'm with you wholeheartedly but you were you were fired up about this i was not happy with it you need a platform to air your grievances like it's festivus whenever these things happen i want to hear it what do you got yeah you know i'm all for the 25 things we don't need to for where we don't want to remember it's it's a cool little segment um, the first one they decided to air was the Barry Burnetti, um, what was Logan Heasty, or not Barry, or Boyd DeHeasty. Yeah, Boyd Taj, De- Boyd. Taj Boyd. Burnetti came in after him and whatever. Ended up at Ole Miss. Ended it? up at Ole Miss. And we got Geno Smith, which kind of proves the point I'm about to get to. Three four-star <laughs> quarterbacks that were all Elite 11 were recruited by this guy. You know, the whole article. Which, ins- which, which guy was this? <laughs> the whole article, instead of, you know, focusing on these two clowns coming in and printing off their shirts and, you know, coming to the spring game, acting like they were And by the way, they were huge recruits. So they did have egos. The whole article was played out as just a way to knock the whole Bill Stewart first year season. Right. And I just thought, you know, I mean, yes, let's give a little backstory, but, we all know what happened in the East Carolina game. We all know what happened in the Colorado game. You know, Bill didn't do anything but win nine games here. I remember. It's I, all he did. Well, yeah, but but we all remember when he missed that field goal against Colorado in overtime. Right. I, I remember that. And now he's on Barstool, right? That's correct. Okay. Just making sure I got the right guy. You know, I, I really thought 
that that Bill would be a little more subdued on his show on Barstool than he was after missing those kicks. Wait, that was Pat McAfee. I'm I mean, sorry. the oh. man the man's been in the grave for six years. Has it been six years? Twenty twelve. Oh my, yeah, because I was working at Mountain State. Oh my gosh. I mean, to to go in depth about what he did in the Colorado game, not calling a timeout. Twenty eight game, twenty eight wins, <laughs> twenty eight wins, and pinning that. You know, I don't. I just. 28 wins. He that, won nine games three years in a row. I can tell you the coaches that ever did that at West Virginia University. There aren't. I can tell you who they are. Rich Rodriguez did it. Don Nealon did it. Tell you what, Bobby Bowden didn't do it. Bobby Bowden had six really good seasons here. Bobby Bowden didn't win nine games three years in a row. Did not do it. Nor did, uh, uh, what's the guy that was coaching when Ira Rogers was playing? Oh, who cares? But still, none of these people, even from the past, it was Rodriguez, it was Nealon, it was Bill Stewart. And you know what? Dana's not done it. Dana's getting paid more than any of those guys did. And, and, I, and I like Dana. I've got I nothing too. against and, and Dana. And that's what, that's what gets me so heated, because that's the attitude that's put our fan base where we're at right now. The entitlement. We're not, we're not where we were when we were talking earlier about those 2002 games. That was a different fan base. That was a get in our face, and we're going to smack back. It was a different fan base, and it was a different program that, quite honestly, I loved Don Nealon, and and I never agreed with the criticism he had even in the late 90s. But it was a program that had, I'm not going to say we had fallen asleep, but it was a program that had kind of plateaued a little bit because we were a little bit behind the curve for what had started to happen in the rest of college football in the late 90s. So we were resurgent whenever we had something new and inventive going into those early 2000s years. And the fan base had a reason to be energetic and be fired up and all these things. But as much fun as those 05, 06, 07 years were, and winning 11 games three years in a row, it was a blast. Unfortunately, a lot of people have forgotten their place in all of this. And they're expecting that to be the new norm. Well, Pat White graduated, and we don't run that offense anymore. And yeah, I mean the, the Owen Schmidt's gone, and Steve Slayton's gone, and by the way, Rick Trickett is gone. You know, take away take away the Fiesta Bowl. Oh yeah, he Stu also won a Fiesta Bowl. Take away that. Oh, game what and, difference does that? And make? the best game he coached was a loss. We went into Death Valley, and we're within a field goal of tying the game with three minutes to play. Yeah. He coached. I thought he coached extremely well in that game. I thought, and I'll tell you what, people can disagree with me. I thought he coached well in the downpour game at Auburn. Yeah, it's it's not his fault that Jarrett Brown kept doing what Jarrett Brown was doing. Right, late in that game, that's not his fault. We went in there against a darn good Auburn team and played extremely well on the road in an absolute quagmire. I thought that was an impressive performance, and the game that I will always remember. We talked about this game. Bef- that was a night game, and we talked about it in the hours of the afternoon before that game happened. And it was a game when Cincinnati, I think, went undefeated in the regular season and went to the BCS. And we had to go up there and play them. And we ended up losing, I think, by three on a And we got a cheated bogus, so bad. A bogus call. Ryan Clark, the fullback, I believe, was on the receiving end of that bad call uh, on a fumble. But we... Or, or, or a t- it should have been a touchdown. Should have been a touchdown. That's what, what it was. was. And they went over right. and they said they didn't have a camera angle. Didn't from, have a clear angle from the pylon. They said right. their angle was a little bit to the right of the pylon, right. so they didn't have a direct angle, so they couldn't. It wasn't the conclusive. Goal. But you know, Bill Stewart went in there and won that game. Let's be honest. He, he went in there and won that game. I don't care what the, the ledger says. So, 
he had some amazingly good coaching performances, and people are going to be upset because of a timeout that should or shouldn't have been called against against Colorado, and a game against East Carolina where, let's face it, they were extremely well prepared. We went in, laid an egg, played terribly. Again, that was the second game of his full ter- full-time tenure as head coach at West Virginia, and there are fans who never let those two games go. And that article was just, that was proof of it. Just yes. to, to take a cheap shot at that. Those two games had absolutely nothing to do with the point of the article. Well, how how long ago have these things taken place? His son now works for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. He's already out of college yeah, he and was, working for the Steelers. I don't even think Blaine was in high school at that Okay. Point. How in the world have we gotten a group of people that are that entitled, that are that out of touch with what reality actually is. Look, if we have, if we had a coach that we were not seeing improvement, we were not seeing things getting better, and we were still in the American Conference and plateauing against teams that we should not be plateauing against, playing them every year, I would have a gripe. We're in the Big 12 right now, and we've got people who want to have everyone fired and start over okay question who are you going to get to come in here if we're having successful seasons and you fire a head coach who is going to line up to come in here with these challenges after you fire someone who's done this and yet still the overriding point comes down to one thing we're still hung up on bill stewart this many years after well, and it, you that know, makes me that's oh it drives me crazy just you know, drives me crazy. If you did get rid of data when you brought data in you changed the whole philosophy you changed the program you changed the style. It, it, let's. We're not hiring Rich Rodriguez tomorrow, but let's say we brought Rich Rodriguez in here after this season. Let's say we win six games and we hire Rich Rodriguez. Rich Rodriguez used two hundred and sixty-five pound guards that zone blocked. All right. Right. Right now we have what I call a Boston College tackle. We've got big, strong, long guys. All right. Those guys cannot run that zone read offense. Oh Lord, no! It no, would no, take no, no, no. a whole recruiting class. A whole two years of going three and nine, four and eight, while we figure out what we're doing. Sure, we got to win again. We got to that 2013 season, and 2013 was a bad year. Everything went wrong. We went out and lost to Kansas, and I still cannot believe that we went out and lost to Kansas at Kansas. But we got to the end of that year, and it was very frustrating. We lost our bowl streak, and just everything went wrong. And one thing we talked about was, okay, and I can't believe that was five years ago now. But we said, okay, we, we're obviously three years into this. We're committed to it. We're just going to have to run with it. You can't reset now. There's no reset. You've got to run with it. Well, we've done that. 2014 was a step back in the right direction. Lost the, I think, the Liberty Bowl that year. But it was a pretty successful year. We, had, we did some good things. 2015, got a little better, won our bowl game. 2016, we win 10 games. Last year, should have turned out better than it did, but... We we just we had some trouble and Will Greer gets hurt and Jake Spavital makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes. That's why I've got to keep it short whenever we go into the season because he just drives me insane. And now we're back into this, but the anticipation for the 2018 season would not be what it is unless we had had stayed the course and recruited toward what we do. And give credit to Holgerson for this more than anything else. He came in here and was very bombastic about how I can put my offense in in three weeks and we can do all these different things from all these different formations. And by 2013, it was like, well, they figured the touch pass out. Uh, Tavon's gone. Uh, what are we going to do now? He has adapted and he's adapted his offense 
into some things that made West Virginia good in the 80s and the 90s and, and some of the mentalities of the 2000s. He's kind of adapted that more than us adapting him in a lot of areas. And I love that he's done that because now it's not us buying into him anymore. He's buying into the program, into the history, into us and the people and what we do. I have to give a lot of, of respect to him for that. Well, I just hope we don't go into Charlotte and we don't go into Raleigh with the mentality. I hope we go into there with that mentality that we went into Blacksburg and Pittsburgh, not the mentality of man i hope the coach doesn't call a timeout when i think he's supposed to so i can boo him and hope he gets fired you know how many fans do we have how many fans do we have that that deep down are hoping that things go bad so they can scream and yell and they they would rather us not succeed so they can be right rather than us succeed and that means they're wrong in the i'll never forget this game i'll never forget this game it was 2013 it was the last game of the season there's probably 35,000 people there, and that's a that's a high number. We're playing Iowa State. Right. We're up 35-7. What year, what year was this? This was th- 2013. This oh, the, okay. This is the year we blew the 30-point lead, blew, and my transmission, blo- or the uh, the radiator blew up on my car on the way out of the game, and I was stuck in the middle of nowhere. I'm still pissed over the whole stew thing, and I'm as, as Iowa State starts coming back, I start kind of laughing and thinking, you know, this is going to be funny as hell if they come back and beat us. And I did. I sat there and I was quiet. And at the end of the game, I was what it was, wasn't mad. And I started thinking, if I'm going to devote to this program like I always have, time, money, everything else, I'm not going to have that kind of attitude ever again. Right. And it's not about who's coaching the team. I've got, I've got one coach left. I had Rod, and he did what he did. And then I had Stu, and I've got one coach left, and that's Bob Huggins. And... I would rather see Hugs win a title than anything. I mean, it's just I, I, if I could have one sporting thing happen, yes, it would be Bob Huggins wins a national championship at West Virginia. It's there's no second thought. I've said that since day one. If you told if you came to me right now and said you've got a coin and you can decide which side it lands on, you win a football national championship, you win a basketball national championship. Up until 2008, I would have said football. And when Bob Huggins came back here. I said, I want Bob Huggins to win a national. And if, if there was ever any reason to justify it, listening to him talk at Madison Square Garden, when sure. we just won the Big East Championship, and they're playing country roads in the background, and they said, you know, how big is this? And it's he said, special. this one's special because it's West Virginia. When that happens, how in the world could you not want that more? And that's not, oh, by all means, let's, let's go ahead and win one in football. But if you give me the choice, I want Bob Huggins to win a championship. But outside of Hugs, um, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to let my opinion of a coach cloud where I want the program to go. Well, of course not. You know, and I and I've done that before. I think when that group of the fan base you're talking about, I think that's what that's what they're doing. Sure. I think you're letting your opinion of a fan of a coach, whether you think he's good or you think he's, and you got to look at it in a broader broader sense and that's why we have the Hades that we have because they're supposed to be able to do that which I think Shane Lyons has done a pretty good job of doing that all things considered um, everyone was so excited whenever Oliver Luck came in and Oliver Luck did a lot of good stuff he made I, one bad decision people got I understand people got extremely upset about the whole radio rights deal with West Virginia Radio 
Probably IMG number three. And all that. And he signs with IMG. And, you know, one thing I do miss, I miss that identity, that that unique identity we had when it was just MSN. Because we had a sound that was unlike anyone else. I loved that. But when you see the benefits that we've got with IMG, we're one of the, we're in the top five for them across their entire network, and that's a big deal with IMG. The money that we're getting kicked back as a result. Oh, do you like the new scoreboard? Do you like all the stuff that's going on at the stadium? And that's IMG money. Okay, we're not paying West Virginia Radio to produce our games now. We're we're getting paid millions because of IMG and all these third party rights. I love what he's done with that. Luck made one bad decision. Okay, that happens. With that said, he did set the table for Shane Lyons to come in. And I think Lyons has really carried the flag pretty well moving forward. And let's be clear also, Dana Holgerson's a different coach today like you hashed out a minute ago than he was when we hired him in 2012. He got humbled. He's also grown. He's got seven years of head coach experience. But, you know, he, was, he was the same coach when he came in in 2011. He was the same coach up until we played Texas Tech in 2012. And when that went completely nuts, it was like, okay, yeah, that was a road game. We're going home the next week. Yeah. We're going to play K-State. And not only did that not go well, that is one of the worst experiences I've ever had at Mountaineer Field because of one particular oh. incident in that game. <laughs> do I have Crazy Train on here? By the way, I, wanna, I do want to say this. I do want to say this. I know this is completely off topic. But I know I referenced earlier that the last seven weeks have been pure, utter hell. But the circle that I have has been incredible. And there have been a lot of people who have helped keep me on my feet. I'm not kidding you. One of them that has been one of the most pivotal parts was Melissa. Everything has been cleared up. Everything's awesome now. So thank you for that, in case you listen to all of this rambling diatribe about West Virginia athletics. But yeah, how about that? That's a far cry from the Kansas State foolishness, isn't it? Well, you got to remember that there's two different types of people. There's the chick off a of Titanic who pushes her boyfriend off in the ocean when there's room on the raft. And then there's the guy from Hacksaw Ridge who hangs out amongst the Japs and pulls all of his dudes off the cliff because he's not going to let them lay up there and <laughs> get executed. Ah, boy. I'm highlighting that and putting it on the highlights page. And there was room on that stupid raft. There was room on the raft. And or on the on the board, the or board whatever, whatever it, was. it was. The point is there was room. That was a choice. Okay? <laughs> you weren't forced into anything. Man, sorry if we're hating on someone's actually I'm not sorry. It's a terrible nobody movie. Cares. Who cares? It sucks. It was it was garbage then, it's garbage now. Hindsight doesn't make it any clearer. Oh my god. Alright, one more thing. Uh, and you were a part of this. We told a couple already. What's your favorite 103 story? Uh, mine's going to be different than yours, but I, it was just so. It was so. It may not with, be different. It's a toss up. Okay, uh, okay I'm going to give. I'll give three and an honorable mention. Okay. So honorable mentions: Rocky the Bull from USF, <laughs> 2008. That was a good one. Wait a minute. Does that count? Because that was when Bill Stewart was the coach. Yeah, that was that was a good one. But so <laughs> number. <laughs> Where's Adrian? Number three could be your favorite, which is chanting "Eat shit, Paul" at Paul Rhodes. Is that number two? That's number three for me. Oh, that's number three? That's number three. Man, that was awfully good, because we didn't just do that to Paul. We were on his entire coaching staff, because they were all getting fired. And we had the whole um, section chanting with us for a minute. We did. And wasn't that the game, too, that one of the support staff was walking down the sideline, and I started screaming at him, calling him Steve Spurrier, because he had the visor on, and he turned around and tipped his cap to me? No, that is number one. I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) 
Okay. So number two is when we insulted Zach Calaris' little brother. <laughs> uh, you know what? That might be my number one. That might be my number one. Zach Calaris is, we're playing Cincinnati, and Zach Calaris' little brother's wearing a Steubenville big shreds. Yes. The stu- it's, by the way, kids, Steubenville High School. This is not Steubenville anything else. It's Steubenville High School, and I know what you're thinking wherever you are listening. Is that the same Steubenville High School that had the big case with the rate? Yeah, that's the one. That's the exact same high school. Well, Zach Claris is Cincinnati starting quarterback, and his little brother's wearing one of their shirts, and one of us yells, who the hell are the big shreds? And it went on from there. Well, he wouldn't answer the question, Jake. If he would have answered the question to begin... First of all, we were chanting at DJ Woods because he kept getting lit up by whoever it was that was our big corner that year annihilating him. But we we stayed on him because it, it's, a, it's a gray t-shirt and has a big red S in the middle of it. On one side it says big, the other side it says reds. And we were just inquisitive. Who are the big shreds? We don't understand what your shirt means. Who are the big shreds? And at this point, we're up 25 points. It's like 35 to 10. And we're screaming at him, and he finally has had enough and turns around and yells at us, It's Steubenville High School, okay? We just beat Morgantown last night. To which our response was, Turn around and look on the field. <laughs> We pointed our hat and said, this means West Virginia University, and we're, we're embarrassing the University of Cincinnati right now. Well, we didn't really understand what we were doing until about, I don't know, three days later on Tuesday, when we did the research and figured out, yeah, that was the starting quarterback's younger brother that we were embarrassing at that point. They're for a recruiting trip for Cincinnati. They're trying to get him to play for him. Well, I think we may be the reason why he didn't. So, number one, All right. and this is this game was special. It was Stu's last game um, in Morgantown. There weren't many people there. It was freezing cold in oh, December. Oh, God, of course. Um, oh, how did I forget this? Craig Schiano is coaching <laughs> Rutgers, and he's about to get fired. And LeBron James is leaving Cleveland at the same time, and I start chanting, Akron hates you. Or Akron loves Akron you. Akron loves you. Akron loves you because we're insinuating he's going to Akron. That's his <laughs> new job. Um, and it turns into keep chopping Shiano, keep chopping Shiano. And before the half is over, Greg Shiano is running off the field chopping at us. Well, we were, to be fair, we were chopping at him first. We were. We were chopping at him. Yelling at him. And, and wasn't he being interviewed on TV while was, we were doing this at was. this point? And he comes back onto the field chopping at us again. And, and, and not just chopping at us, he has us stared down. <laughs> And the whole, he's doing the whole second half, he would turn around and chop at us. Yeah. And it just, every time, keep chopping, Shiano. And or Akron loves you. And we're in his head to the point where not, I understand totally, on a reactionary level, I understand him doing it on the way off the field after the interview. I get that. But the fact that he came out of the tunnel doing it immediately after tells me, you didn't even talk to your team at halftime. You were just thinking, I'm going to show those two idiots whenever they come back out here. Yeah, he had the last laugh. He got to go make millions of dollars to lose games in Tampa Bay. So. That's, you know what? That is a pretty good last laugh to get paid to coach that poorly. All right, what's your honorable mention? Well, it was Rocky the Bull. Your honorable mention was Rocky the Bull. It was Rocky the Bull. Okay. So, so there was one I was a little surprised you didn't mention, and I can't remember what it was now. 
Um, I did enjoy, it may have been that Cincinnati game. That whole game was a major problem. That whole game was great. Okay. Um, my favorite, one of my favorites was probably, I think it was that game. We were completely tired of people getting introduced during timeouts. <laughs> I, you know, we've just, we've just had a big moment, a big stop on defense, and the crowd's charged up. We go to a timeout. We need to keep this thing cooking. And we've got to introduce the women's janitorial staff from the Towers dorm. They, you know, it's, it's breast cancer Can't awareness. a lot of puke last week. And they're using a lot of pink mops, trying to raise money for Sujin G. Coleman. I, no, for God's sake, you're killing my environment. So we've just, we've had it and we've decided we're just we're going to show our displeasure no matter what it is that's coming down next. So we look over to the other side of the stadium and here comes a parade of probably 25 people heading down the steps and they're obviously coming onto the field. Ah, oh, who's this? Who's it going to be this time? You're going to trot out onto the field and we've got to clap for them and act like they matter. I've had enough. And we're just heckling them constantly. And they come out onto the field, and it is veterans who have just come back from Iraq. <laughs> and in the way that only you can't, we're both laughing. And you turn to look at me and said, well, we're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> that one that one was pretty bad. There's, there's one other one. That I hope the girl that sits in front of us listens to this. Because she gets a kick out of all of our... That's Jess. And I don't know if Jess and, and JP listen to this or not, but they really should. They because really should because we've had a lot of these moments. And I think the most important part of this in 103 is that we do this whether we're winning or losing. It really makes no difference. You know, the hate, the hate comes out really no matter what. I remember the one that I can't believe you didn't mention. There was a game, and there's video evidence of this. Uh, There's a game where we got so out of control heckling the other team's bench, we made it onto television more than once. They were a Division II school. Were they D2? I thought, oh, Norfolk State. I think, yes, there is actually a screen. I've got the picture, I'll try to find it, of the score, and it's like 42 to nothing. And we're both standing there like, what, Norfolk State? What well, they I think they went down and either kicked a field goal or or yeah, scored started it. or scored and missed a conversion Imagine and they were that. celebrating like the team at that uh West Canaan plays at the end of Varsity Blues. They were looking a lot like that. And we were over the cement wall screaming at their bench, "Your Norfolk State. Look at the scoreboard." Okay, look at the scoreboard. And it wasn't even that typical sports taunting scoreboard. No, we're just trying to look at the scoreboard and then look in the mirror. You're, you're, you're Norfolk State. Just stop it. Yeah, that was a bad one. And it kept getting bad, and it kept getting well, bad. There was no one at that game, and it was on, like, what's Root Sports, Root sports whatever it's called now. It's something else now, I think. But. Well, then they turn around, and they acknowledge the fact that we're screaming at them. <laughs> And it starts with special teams, and then other people start turning around, and they're obviously not happy, and they start yelling back. Well, you don't want to do that, because if you acknowledge us, it's like kindergarten. Don't encourage them. They're only going to make it worse. And there we go. And it just kept going, and it kept going. Pretty much any time we played Rutgers, or anybody like that, we're going to be bad. Oh, yeah. But it's games like that. How in the world? I'm noted for some of this creative stuff that I do. I understand that. 
the the game against Maryland when Ralph Regan was the coach, and I brought a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts to the game and started screaming at him, telling him to come have one with me. And he looked like he looks like King Hippo from Punch Out, and he looked like he wanted to come attack me for what I did. And then it's twenty eight nothing at the end of the first quarter, and he probably forgot about it. Uh, what was the other one that I'm see the best the best well pre- for the best pregame I've ever done is the game that we're not going to actually talk about the game. Um, but before the game, Dave Wanstead's out there on the field hobbling around. On crutches. On crutches. Well, I'm just watching him and yelling, Hey, Dave, you don't need those crutches. And every now and then I'd catch him taking a couple steps. <laughs> so finally uh, I get him to point the crutches at me. <laughs> well, Dave was a good dude. He was laughing a little bit. Uh, there's one more that I, I thought I was pretty well-versed for. I got us a call one time. I did do that. You did do that. Uh, that, was, that was the 0-9 pit game. Yeah, you and, didn't get us a call. And I was I was just in rare form for that game anyway. And there was a side I think it was a side judge. His name was Steve and worked that game. So I don't know if his name was Steve. I'm just or Scott. It was you were calling team. him Steve. And I'm just well, I opened the program and figured out his name and started yelling at him. Okay. So I just started going off on him and I said, You mean to tell me that we've played thirty minutes of football? And Pitt has not held. They've not been offside. Nothing has happened. You're not going to throw one flag. Come out for the second half. I'm still going. And I'm still going. And I, now I'm on the first name basis because I've had time to do the research. And I'm still screaming at him. And I'm three rows from the field. Believe me, he can hear me. And I know he can hear me. And I, it's not stopping. So finally, it's halfway through the third quarter. And Pitt breaks a run down the sideline for about 30 yards and a first down. He throws a flag. And they call a chop block. Play comes back. I think they ended up kicking a field goal. And they go to a TV timeout, and he has to come back down to his position for the kickoff. And he's standing at the pylon, TV timeout, and he has his arms crossed, and he is staring at me in my seat until I turn and look at him. And I finally turn and look, and he gives the chop block signal and holds his arms out like, well, happy now? And I said, uh, Scott, Steve, whatever your name is, uh, that you are the best official on this crew by far. Thank you very much. And bowed to him. That is that's one of my I finer that moments. That's one of I my finer that moments. And that was that. and I think it's fitting that that moment happened in my in my favorite game that's ever happened at that stadium. And I've been there for some. I was there for the '93 Miami game, the '88 Syracuse game. That was as good as I have ever done at a game harassing people and i think if i go back and watch some of these games i'll remember some of the lunatic stuff that i've done so you didn't get the basketball game that year that was no i didn't need the basketball game and you know why because cam thurman lost it for us jake he he didn't lose that one we Uh, killed him that night i know what you're talking about yeah the villanova game villanova game cam thurman i was at the pit game (laughs) i was at the pit game the year that we started throwing all the stuff on the floor well okay so the game after the first time Pitt comes back to Morgantown. By the way, whenever you whenever you say on here, and I just said it, I'm bleeping it. Okay, I, it it, I, it makes me sick. Well, they bring a pocket of students, and their pocket of students comes over holding their That's little signs in front of our students, and I'm in that group, and it's it's kind of like Concord, Lexington. I mean, it's you know you're just waiting for somebody to fire the first shot. Sure. Well, from the top of the student section comes a Julius pepperoni roll. Oh, God. Unwrapped, <laughs> half-eaten, perfect spiral. <laughs> Trills this pit kid in the head. Of course it does. And he starts looking for security. Well, once the first pepperoni roll comes down and drills this kid, like, 
30 more pepperoni rolls what? come down. Peer pressure. <laughs> it's like, well, he threw one. We might as well throw one. So the security guards come over and threaten to throw the pit stands. <laughs> well, of course. You guys are not where you're supposed to be and kick them back over there. Sure. As there's ice and everything else is being pelted at them. It was great. Uh, um, there was one more. Oh, I, I'll tell you one that we have forgotten. I'll, I'll tell you one right now we've forgotten. That last game against Pitt. The game ends. We sack them three times to end it. Everyone's celebrating. And then you have me and you running through the Telling pit. Telling them to get out of our stadium. Get out of our st- And hurting them like cattle. <laughs> get out! Get. You're not moving. You're not... Get out! Over and over. Swatting at them. Telling them to get out. And there was... I swear to you, and you know I'm not kidding. There was legitimate fear oh, yeah. in the eyes of some of these people. Oh, my God. These crazy Mountaineer fans that we always heard about, I think we found them. I bet they live in the woods. <laughs> they all have a limp, and they drink nothing but moonshine. Nope. I'm as sober as they come. Shoot them guns. <laughs> we've had a few of those. I was but not. But... but that was fun. That was fun. And we've had so many of those games over the years. And believe me, I'll think of more of our idiot stories from 103 whenever we... Whenever we do this again, Jake, did you, did you enjoy this? Oh, it was a good fun? time. It was a good time. Well, good because you're going to come back. You're going to come back whenever you want. Next time, Steve's not going to have work issues. It's going to keep him away, and we don't have to piece the episode together. But yeah, next time when all three of us are here, maybe bring Dave in too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks. Answer his phone. <laughs> He's not going to answer his phone. Why would he do that? He he knew exactly what that was, <laughs> and I'm going to call him out for it right now. You're a coward, Dave Markert. You're a coward. You're more of a coward about answering your phone than Mike Davis is about running. Okay? <laughs> and about he ain't that. running. Yeah, and he ain't running. And he's more likely to run than you are to answer your phone. Huh. We've got more show coming up. Steve's going to join us for the next segment. But we're going to record that a little bit later. Piece them together. Should be fun. Jake, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun. More of episode 13 of Apex Live right after this. Yay. <laughs> Episode 13 of Apex Live continues. I'm Brad. Hey, that's Steve. Steve's hello. back. Hello, hello, hello. Steve wasn't here for the first part of the show. He got stuck in what was it? White Sulphur Springs oh, for work? Yeah. It's always work. It's always it somewhere in... Every time it becomes a shit day, it, it usually ends up in Greenbrier County. I don't understand that, but it happens. I don't know if that's going to mean much to our listeners in Canada and New Zealand. Like, where the fuck is that? If, if for just for reference, it's about an hour and ten minutes from where we are, and it's there's a a world famous resort. Oh yeah, that's there, and the and there's a nice little downtown area, which by the way has an amazing food and friends Jamaican. That's in Lewisburg. Oh okay, but in White Sulphur, there's a, an old small diner car. Mm-hmm. that does jamaican food and it's called wagwan diner and it's legitimate they are there i think it's two brothers that are jamaican they're i think it's their dad works as a chef at the Greenbrier. oh wow okay. but they they run this thing i've been there the food is authentic it is absolutely amazing and that that's part of that downtown area that's really cool the yeah. rest of the place just flat out sucks yeah and if you go to Lewisburg, Lewisburg, great downtown, a lot of really cool stuff, but I'm not a doctor or a lawyer oh, yeah, or a finance guy or a hipster. So if I'm not one of those four, I'm pretty well done. Yeah. You know, that is either elite central or it's man bun central. <laughs> and we all know that a 
man bun is just a handle for your life partner. Never mind. I'm not going to keep going with that. Oh, man. That's terrible. That's terrible imagery. So, uh, Steve, what's been going on? You've, you've got a lot to catch up on because... Speaking of bleak, it's been se- yeah. <laughs> It's been seven weeks, eight weeks. Since we last recorded. Since we last recorded, and a, a lot... <laughs> Has happened. I'm and a lot, it went by so fast, and I have no idea where the seven weeks have went. There's a lot less of me than there was when we recorded on July 2nd. That is true. Yeah, I was uh, 215 to 191, but hey, that'll happen. You lose a lot of fluid when you get stabbed in the back. Anyway, go on. That's what, right. What have, you, uh, what have you had going on in the last little bit? Same thing with you. I have just a little bit of weight <laughs> change, and that's about it. Work and the rest of it, I have no idea where the hell it's went. Once again. Well, it's the same old crap. And how many times have you said it? It's... <laughs> You, know, you you turn into a slave and you just work your life away and work your soul away and everything dies and it just sucks and that's just not the contemplation is getting more and more every day i'm just like half half a step away from calling my f- fucking boss a yes man and tell him to suck a dick like seriously <laughs> like show up to the last meeting i'm going to go to which will probably be on the 20th of august okay. with a bag of fucking cheeseburgers <laughs> and do the uh what is that half baked scene where uh, he 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 quits his job there? He starts throwing cheeseburger at everybody's head there. He's like, uh, "You're cool, you're cool, fuck you, you're cool." Hits one guy in the head with a cheeseburger, and I'm out. Sure, I'm probably gonna do that. And I know exactly who who's getting hit in the face with a fucking cheeseburger. Okay, who's getting hit in the face with a cheeseburger? His name is Stephen Ritchie, and he's a dickhead, dude. <laughs> he's one of those guys. He will talk shit about you behind your back, and he will not quit doing that. And, uh, hmm. He's he's a bigger guy, bigger than me, but he doesn't realize that I'll beat the shit out of him. I don't think he gets it yet. Right. So, um, well, uh, you can melt about anybody with a liver punch. I, dude, he doesn't. He's not a very necessarily healthy guy. He takes a lot of medication, quite a bit. Well, then the liver's probably already shot. Yeah, I would just, I would love to crumble him with a fucking liver shot and just ask him if he needs water or something else. Yeah, that know. sounds like fun. It would be, but yeah, he's a dickhole. But yeah, other than that. Other than that, just same old crap. Same old shit. Getting down and waiting a little bit. Um, different mindset. Well, we told a story. I think I think we recorded this. We did record this. Uh, it was Jake was talking about an experience at a West Virginia basketball game that involved members of the pit cheering section getting pelted <laughs> with literally dozens of pepperoni rolls <laughs> because there was one. Pepperonis are great. There was there one got thrown and it hit somebody right in the face and they turned around and were outraged. And <laughs> Why? That's those are fucking delicious. That's a gift. Well, but what have we learned? You don't acknowledge it. If you acknowledge it, it's going to get worse. And here comes dozens more of them, and rightly so because if you see pit people, that's what you do: is you hit them and you hit them as hard as you can. If they're not eating you shit, can. you just throw at them. I hate these people, yeah. but, but I also don't want you to waste a perfectly good pepperoni roll because those are good. the ones they sell at the games are good. They're good. Okay, so we talked about that. We talked about some other stories from one hundred and three. Uh, and all the antics that we've gotten into at games. One thing that didn't get told, I don't think Jake knows about this story. There was a game probably, I mean, looking back, it's probably 10 years ago whenever this happened. For some reason, a Pitt fan or a Pitt student was invited to the game by a West Virginia student, which that already... Were they friends or they enemies? Well, considering how it turned out, yeah, they might have been enemies, but 
I, I guess he was invited as a friend. And this guy's liquored up, and he goes and gets up into the student section and just looks at the student section and double barrels them and starts yelling. <laughs> and I was told by my friend who was involved Takes with this, balls. he said the next thing that you saw was just a pile and him at the bottom of it and it took a while but they eventually had to drag him out hey that takes balls uh, it takes either balls or a complete lack of a brain both big balls equals uh, small just, brain it just makes me laugh so hard there's to no see that. no blood that goes to the brain when it's all in your balls and we just see people doing that we tried to ambush dave earlier in the show dave wouldn't answer the phone because he's a coward oh he didn't answer didn't answer the phone yeah must New- have been, he must have been bleaching his hair <laughs> He probably was, <laughs> he, you know, he, you know, he, well, we all know. Still love you, Dave. Dave has at all times available to him a giant vat of peroxide <laughs> at all times because uh, he's trying to turn himself into some weird Super Saiyan, some weird anime character that I know nothing about. And I have no, uh, no reason whatsoever to even look into it because it's really just not a big deal to me. <laughs> so it, it, that's what he's doing. We all know that's what he's doing it. Oh, but whatever, Dave. It's it, Whatever we say about you, it's your own fault for not answering the phone. So from now on, it's just better to answer the phone and defend yourself. That's what we're trying to say. But we still love you, though. Well, that's debatable. I love you. I still want to punch you in the face. We have to definitely still get this together eventually if you ever come back for a long time. Well, all he's got to do is come back and actually you know spar and not oversleep. And we are calling you out for that because people did show up. Travel Traveling does suck. I do understand, but... Traveling does suck. Yeah. And I was in Gatlinburg being fucking tortured by my children. Okay, all right. Tell me about Gatlinburg. Oh, okay. So, um... First of all, why did you go to Gatlinburg, the tourist trap of the, of the universe? Oh, it's, 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 it's hillbilly heaven, I'm telling you. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's where white people go. Tennessee is where white people go, I guess. I don't know. But, um, so... My girl now, she's like, oh, let's take the kids to Splash Country. I was like, cool, fuck it. We'll go to Splash Country. We go there, not so bad. They were they were okay. You know, we, I mean, it's so expensive there; it's ridiculous. But it was all Stephanie's idea, which I could deal with it until about the second day, and then I was like, I hate all of you. And that's pretty much how it happened. But yeah, we went to we the last day we were there. We went to Ripley's Believe It or Not Aquarium, pretty cool. Um, we you know checked everything out there, but just the the sheer traffic, foot traffic there is is fucking ridiculous. I mean, it's. You can't even move. It's just stupid. Um, went to a haunted house. Took my eight-year-old in there. Um, they asked him. They asked me if I was sure. I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure." He's been an asshole all day. I want to scare him. So, yeah. like, are you you serious? I was like, "Yeah, I'm serious." He's been a jerk all day. So, we get in there, go through <laughs> it all. Um, this was actually a pretty good one. It's a haunted mansion. People were sliding down from like the third story down the walls, running behind you, screaming at you. He wanted to leave. There was an exit every every. 50, 60 foot. I wouldn't let him go. I just wanted him to really be scared. I just knew whenever you said, I'm going to Gatlinburg. I'm trying to get this picture in my head of how how frustrated with all of the BS that you were going to be. I fucking hate tourists. I hate tourists. I even when I go to a place, I try not to be a tourist. Yeah, it's because there is a tourist mentality of. This isn't where I live. I'm going to be an asshole. Just standard behavior. Because the, you, they want to have that attitude no matter what happens, no matter how wrong they are, no matter what they do. They want to look at anyone and go, hey, I'm on vacation. 
Yeah, fuck you and your vacation. Like that's somehow going to make everything better. Go eat what you eat in quantities bigger somewhere else, and that's what you're doing. Yeah, well, you're looking for, some for a of these, bigger chicken leg. For some of these people, that's very difficult to do because they should all be sponsored by Golden Corral. And that's exactly what is Golden Golden Dixie Stampede. We okay, can get okay, mashed potatoes. Now, let me, in full disclosure, say this. I, I do like Golden Corral. It's not bad. Now, when I'm actually eating, which... You know, for nine days in this month, that didn't happen. Ultra Slim Fast Plan. Was that this month? No, mental, that was two months mental ago. Mental anguish. That was, that was June when I didn't eat for nine days. But when I can actually eat and my digestive system is functioning at some level that's mm-hmm. reasonable, yeah, I like to go in and say, wait a minute, I, could, I can pay 12 bucks and this food is actually decent and I can have all I want? Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay, but at the same time... I understand that it's not gourmet. This is what I know about this, about how bad this is. Okay? How can I put this into words that are not going to be hideously offensive? Yeah, just be offensive. It isn't fun. They're not going to fucking listen. Know, but I'm have to go, I have to go with imagery here. <laughs> okay. This is how I'll, play, how I'll put this into words. Golden Corral has been in our town for less than a year. I would say eight months. Yeah, I think it opened in November or December. Really? Okay. Something so like about that. ten months. So, well, no, it's, it is about eight or nine months. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Simple as yeah. that. I understand that there is this desire and this innate thing in people that drives them to a new... You can have 11 McDonald's in one town. But and if new a new one. McDonald's opens... Everyone runs to it, and to this day, I cannot figure out the mentality behind that. It's the fucking, it's it, the Legion mentality. It's what it new. Is. No, it's the same as every McDonald's on planet Earth. That's why it's called a franchise. <laughs> they now, have rules they go Now, we didn't, have, we didn't have a Golden Corral. Which is understandable, because Ryan's completely S- sucked ass. Ryan, Ryan's was terrible. It was their breakfast tasted like shit to me. I didn't like it. Oh, Shoney's breakfast was awesome to me. I liked well, it. Well, their breakfast was garbage. And their lunch and dinner was garbage, too. So, we opened the Golden Corral. Not we. I didn't have anything to do with it. But the Golden Corral opens. And, of course, for the first month, you can't get a seat. No. Now, we all knew that that was going to be the case. (laughs) Do you know how how morbidly obese, how formidable your size and your appetite has to be if you make reservations for Golden Corral? And it's a party of two, not like ten at at one table. It's all you so, can eat. Now you eat all. You can't do that. You know it's bad when you get thrown out of an all you can eat. And they say, no, seriously, that's all you can eat. That's We're losing money. You can eat that. That's so it. all that goes down. And you're thinking, okay, after a couple months, it'll be okay. No. no, It's still that way. It's still that way. And I understand that at 7 o'clock at night. Hmm. But it's 1230 in the afternoon, or it's 1 o'clock, or it's 2 o'clock. Do any of you work... Yeah. Because it's 2.30 in the afternoon, you still can't get in to Golden Corral and get a seat. <laughs> that is, Coral. And then they wonder why we have the biggest health epidemic in the country when those things are... Are you kidding me? It's 2.30 in the afternoon and you can't get a seat at Golden Corral. That explains more than anything else could possibly explain. And it's worse to me, even, than when... Jamie Oliver, the British chef, yeah, had the TV Oliver. show where I'm going to go to the unhealthiest city in the country and go to Huntington and I'm going to teach the kids how to eat healthy food. <laughs> and they were so brutal to him after one episode, he was in tears. That makes me laugh. 
I didn't I didn't watch it. I just saw the highlights of him getting just obliterated verbally and he leaves. Oh, it's just gold. Jamie Oliver. It's just old. My phone's blowing up. My best friend's texting, 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 and I'm totally cool with it. Now, but, now, if if it's 99% of the other people I know, I would just take the phone and rocket it across the room. Because mm-hmm. I've had enough <laughs> of most people that I know right now. And, and it's nothing that most of them have done. It's something that some of them have done. But it's not, not anything that most of them have done. But yeah. sometimes you just kind of have to crawl in a hole and say... If you're not on my advisory council, yeah. that very small inner circle, I, it's not that I'm being anti-social. I literally just don't want anything to do with any of you. Oh, I understand. You know, I, trust me. I, and what's <laughs> funny about it, Steve, is that as this has happened in the last seven or eight weeks, and I have really kind of just gone down, 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 and whittled down my interaction and dealing with certain things with certain people. And really taking a big step away from a lot of social media stuff because social media ruins ruins lives. Of course, in it the does. modern era, of social media does. ruins lives. If you're not born, if you're not born into that, if you've lived a life a, a vast majority of your life without that interaction, yes. and then you interject that, you know, as a thirty plus year old, that's a great point. It's going to fuck you up. That's a great point. Yeah. If you know a life that doesn't involve that, mm-hmm. it's it's disaster whenever you introduce it. It's like Too introducing much. something into the wild that doesn't belong there and it's a predator because really that's what it is well, it's, it's it's addictive it is I mean, it's, well, it's, the, it's every like Instant every retweet all that stuff it's a dopamine hit yeah. it, it's it's addictive Constantly. well as i've gotten away from that it's amazing how much i have started to look at it even more so and think yeah i just i prefer it this way i literally do not miss it mm-hmm. and where there was a time that i'd say yeah i just need a break from this so i'm going to deactivate I'm going to deactivate this account or that account for, you know, a week and then I'll come back or two weeks and I'll come back. I don't care if I do go back. And that's a good place to be. That's a healthy. Because you know everybody that you care to know. Yeah. And not only that, it's, it's nice to have a little bit more control over being instantly accessible. You know, there are people out there that I'm not even all that terribly close to, but they're used to sending something and I'm getting right back to them. And if five minutes goes by, are you okay? They think I'm dead if I don't get back to them immediately. No, I was just doing something that does not directly involve the computer or you. Yeah. And that that whole mentality just, that really bothers me. So social media sucks. Yeah, it, it just does. pretty much blows, and I've had it. Uh, speaking of, um, I need some better news. I need better news. So here's the better news. Uh, we talked on an earlier podcast episode about yeah i've got another book in the works and i might be doing a sequel to the novel and then i've got something else that i'm gonna do well as it turns out um i have made a decision on the next book and what it's going to be and it is i'm not going to really get into what the book is about uh the title is going to be enigma which is pretty cool and it is going to exist i think in the same universe as the first novel did i really haven't made that decision yet okay so I am going to write that one. There was a point that I had this idea for a character. I had the idea for a couple of plot points within the story, but I didn't know how I was going to get from A to B. And then it's funny how life events can kind of put you in a position where you can make some decisions and maybe see a pathway that you didn't see before. It's amazing how lights will 
will just sort of turn on in situations that way through what happens to you in real life. And it can translate into fiction if you're a writer and that's what's happened here. So now I've got an idea of how to make this work and I am really, really, really excited about this project. So it's going to be out, I think at some point in 2019, early in the year, I'm shooting for a, I don't know, March, April, May area somewhere in there to make this work. Um, it, it helps whenever I don't have to deal with a big publishing house. Believe me, it'd be great to have a seven or eight figure deal behind you and all the marketing and all that stuff. But I'm, I'm really not interested in that. That's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. It never was. And being able to do most of it myself, I've already kind of designed most of the cover and then I can just focus on the writing part of it. It is kind of stupid to announce that, okay, it's coming out first few months of 2019 and it's the end of July right now. And I've written as of right now, like three pages. But in some aspects, you got to think about this too. People that are ultra successful in some aspects, did they ever really want to appeal to that many people, that many mentalities of like-mindedness? I mean, is that really? Well, most, you know? most of the people that we call geniuses, most of the people who have had a great deal of influence on the world whether they were out front in front of a ton of people or not, they really didn't seek out that mass market appeal. Mm -hmm. That really wasn't their thing. Believe me, I would like nothing more than to sell 3 million copies. That would be awesome. Of that. That would be fantastic because I, but that doesn't define your success. Not at all. And I've told people for years, and this is in a lot of different ways. I've said it about working in boxing. I've said it about just everyday life and interacting with people that success has nothing to do with things. Success has nothing to do with making money and having possessions and going on trips. If you want to show me someone that is successful, show me someone that has impacted a great number of lives to the direct knowledge of a few. Yeah. Th show me that. Mm -hmm. Show me someone who has changed lives for the better. And it's not for me to say that I have done that in my everyday life, because if I'm the one saying that I have, I probably haven't because I've somehow made it all about me. Yeah. Yeah. But I would like to think that I have, but there will always be that part of me that doubts it and says, well, you know, maybe you haven't. That's also something that can drive you to keep trying to do more and have an impact because you know, for me, everything that you see, everything that you do, everything that you buy and sell and, and consume and even the things that you produce that other people buy and sell and, and consume, all of those things are going to, they're going to go away. They're going to rot. They're going to die. Easy. The, the yeah. things that live on forever, the influences that you have, those are the things. There's a difference for me. This is the best way I've ever put it. I might put this in the book. There is a big difference between an inheritance and a legacy. Yeah. And I'm way more concerned with having a, a legacy. legacy that lives on. And this is the best example that I can give you. Um, one of the most well-known evangelists of the 20th century, and he, this is from the early 20th century, I believe it was from Chicago, was a man named D.L. Moody. And Moody was really, as a theologian, was brilliant. And it, he's the namesake of the Moody Bible Institute. He reached literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people with the gospel. So many people came to Christ because of him and his work. And it's just amazing. Well, everybody knows that name. The name that no one remembers is the name of the person who first invited him to church, the shopkeeper that he worked for. Mm -hmm. yeah. That may be the only person he ever had an influence on from a spiritual standpoint. Yeah. 
And then but it look affected at, so many more people. But look at what happened in that the butterfly chain reaction. Effect. That's that's yeah, absolutely. It's ripples on a pond. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm looking to do. And yeah, you know, I wrote the first novel, and people really, really enjoyed the first novel. And then when I did the re-release, I said, "This is this. It's the same book. It's the same characters. Everything. But this is such a." a better product this time because I've made some changes. I've put some more information in it. Um, it's it, the writing is a lot tighter. It's a lot better, a lot cleaner and it's a 10 times better book. And people really responded to the, to the novel the second time. And then I wrote the study book on eschatology and it's nonfiction and it's deep and it doesn't read like a textbook, but it's got the information that's in it like a textbook. And that's had an influence on a lot of people, which is great. And now I'm going to write this one. For all I know, the words that I'm putting on a page is going to have a big impact on somebody, and I will literally never know it. You might be, you're that guy, you're the shopkeeper. But Exactly. Yeah. But the fact that it's there, mm-hmm. the fact that it matters, that's what I want. And that's the kind of influence I want to have really in everything. That's a loud chair. In everything <laughs> that I ever do, I want to have that kind of an impact because that's what lives on forever. Mm-hmm. And I think what is the environment that's conducive to that is when half of it is you saying, I want to be that. I want to invite that into my life. I want to project that to others. The second part of that, I think, is most important because that's when you surround yourself with the like-minded people who want to do that, too. Mm -hmm. If you're around nothing but a bunch of money-driven, ego-driven, oh, I've got to go do this. Look at the money they offered me. So what? How much they offered you, yeah, or, or they offer you? They offer you the pay bump. They offer you the benefits, and they're in, basically inviting you to destroy things for no good reason. A lot of times, when when you chase things like that, it does backfire. And here's the funny thing about that: it doesn't even have to be an opportunity that you do that with. It can just be that mentality. You can stay in a same position for twenty years. That mentality. But if you have that mentality going into it, you may move up. You may not. But it's going to affect everything you do, every decision you make. And the quality when, of everything. When you do that, you're, you're inviting problems into not just that part of your life, but into every other part of your life. Because right. it shows motivation. And most of the time, it's trying to fill a void that you will never fill with those types of things. The temporal things. The things that don't make any sense to have them at the top of your priority list. There Material were, possessions. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, and it's, that's the big part of it for me. Status. Look at the, well, yeah, look at what I've got. They don't have that. Be jealous of me. It's pride. It's arrogance. It's greed. I remember, <laughs> this is somebody I knew a long time. This is 15 years ago, probably now. Um, maybe not 15 years ago when it happened, maybe 10 years ago when this happened, but it was, it just stood out to me then, and it's even more, it's more of a salient point to me now than it was then. This person had something kind of rough happen to him. It, was, it wasn't a death. Uh, it wasn't a sudden just relationship failure. But it was, it was some things that sort of went bad, and they were down about it. And they told one of their friends that they were down about this specific thing. And the response from the other friend, who was very well off and had grown up around money, said, you know what you need to do? You just you need to you need to go get you a, get you a new car. That actually just uh, I was I had a thought about that. I know somebody just did that. Actually. But you hear that as okay. So now you're driving toward the lawyer's office in a better car. What does what did you just accomplish other than 
a dopamine hit for buying something expensive and then saddling yourself with about $35,000 of debt. Yes. And paying a bank interest for, I don't know, two weeks of fleeting happiness before the new car smell has all gone out that's of events. That's just a shit answer. That's an old answer. That's an answer that How was given stupid. to them before. Ab- absolutely. and Or it's one that they, in their greed and their arrogance presented to the person who you know gives them the money yeah and they signed off on it okay well if that's what'll make you feel better then that's what we'll do yeah did it work no probably not it probably just dug the hole even deeper i've heard that before i mean you know it's it's idiotic socialite type behavior you know upper crust type hey you're feeling down just go get your new car i mean i've heard, heard it before but but look at how we fed that we have fed that with the mtv culture post 2000s it's all social engineering horse shit it's all bad that's a good point i mean that's still the aspect we're thinking about every day is social engineering i can't fucking deal with it people don't one generation away from everything being completely different people don't believe that it's real it is real people do not believe that that is a legitimate thing and And we're bernays and all you know smoking and and you know women's empowerment and all that bullshit check some of that out i just i want to i want to choke people I, I don't know if I even would want to bother because they they would just see it as a physical thing, no nothing to do with uh, why you're choking them. They're like, why are they choking me? Because you're a fucking idiot. That's why you're getting choked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I've got to answer this. Oh, go ahead. Do do what you need to do, sir. I'm over here making uh, Red Skull do the twist. On Red, uh, uh, what's Red Skull? Right here. Red Skull. Captain uh, America. Oh, you! Oh, you've got the thing, and and you're yeah. playing around with it. Oh my! That's Lord. A, I, I did. My phone was setting over there. I was actually just fucking around with Red Skull in this little coaster, chilling. There's some Splash Country photos of my little jerk offs. <laughs> Jerkovskis is what I call them. You know, little Jerkovskis. <laughs> they look like they're having fun, but really they're just evil. Oh my gosh. One thing I am happy about is I think we are on the verge of purchasing what we need to work on having a portable podcast studio, because that's going to allow us to go out and record in pretty high quality anywhere we want to, as much as we want to, with really anyone that's around, and we can just tell them, hey, sit down and, and do this, and then I can come back and edit everything and post. Something smells like it's on fire. Something on fire outside of my house. Like something smells like it's on fire. I don't know. I don't know. Or care. Might be my life. I don't as know. Long, really? After the last after the last seven weeks of my life, you're going to sit here and tell me that? How dare How you? How dare you? And what's funny is looking back at at what I've been able to kind of piece together like a jigsaw. Pu- I've pieced it together like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, apparently, it was going on for like three weeks before that. And I didn't even know it was on fire yet, so I really should have had better batteries in the smoke detector. You were smoldering. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. I don't know. Right now, I'm not. Right now, I'm in total DGAF mode, and I'm just going to worry about writing books and going to Little Beaver State Park and hiking, because, man, is that... Not bad. That, Not bad at all. Two people drove me to make the decision to do that and start getting outside to to do that especially at that place and you were one of them sir dude i ran there um i, w- I ran up rhododendron the other day did yeah, i'm one, not doing that 1.5 up the hill and i did three laps around the park and my knees were killing me see that's why i'm not gonna do it but, but you, it was still beautiful you encouraged me to do that and 
um, and Wonder Woman also uh, was encouraging me to go out and hike and, and do all these things. And it does. It It's cleared my head. It's gotten me in better shape. I'm getting back in the gym. I'm, I'm hitting the bags. I was doing punch mitts. Uh, I went to... Uh, to Elk River Boxing Club How'd last week. Was it last week? Uh, Rob Fletcher up there? Is yeah, that that's Rob. Rob was there. Laura was there. Everyone else bailed and didn't show up. So I got in the ring because Laura wasn't there yet, and I knew she'd have the phone out trying to trying to take video of this crap. And I said, I'm, this is my second day back to doing this in 15 years, so I'm not going to allow that. So I got in there, and I was just kind of throwing a little bit. And I'll tell you, I, I'm still rusty. There's a lot of stuff that I, I still feel stiff and I'm not relaxing. Well, how, mu- how long has it been since you really but actually had that really mentality good. in you? Oh, I mean, I've not done anything athletically in probably 12 yeah. or 13 years because I'm just so beat up. Especially throwing punches and just automatically yeah. bringing them back where they need to and go. And, man, I was trying to kill the mitt. Too. Oh, sure. And I, I landed a couple of them and I thought, yeah, I, I want to see if I can still crack a little bit with some snap. And I landed two or three hooks and he kind of looked at the mitt like, that, well, you, where did you, you did that? Where did that come from? The bad thing is, the first time that I did mitts in a long time was with Patrick, Patrick at, at yeah. Apex a couple weeks ago, and I'm still in that trainer mentality. Yeah. So every time he would hold the mitt up, I would hold my glove up because I'm expecting him to throw. <laughs> so it took me a couple a couple of, of rounds to kind of get myself into that mentality. Okay, I'm the one who's throwing the punches. I'm the one who's doing this. And then my favorite part of this is Patrick is he's an awesome dude. He's coaching me. And he's like, come on, get that jab out there and snap it. And he's telling me stuff. And at one point, I just stopped. I said, Pat, you realize you are directly quoting me to me. <laughs> You're telling me exactly what I tell you all the time. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been dealing with. Pat's a good dude. Pat is a good dude. I've never and seen him do anything less. You know who we need? That's what we need to do is get him in here and recount for an audience. Get his, him to talk. His story from top to bottom, from just mm-hmm. showing up to do a boxing class because it might be fun, and he had a free membership because of where he works at the car dealership, and going from that to fighting in USA Boxing. Where does he work at? Which he, one? Um, Did he, he quit that job since? Or? He works at the one that's over over across the road from the Hyundai dealership. So he makes pretty good money then. Eh, he's a uh, he's ASC certified. He's that. not in sales. He just kind of did the uh, he did the maintenance stuff, like the oil changes and, yeah. and those things. But he he was wanting to get a new job. Yeah, we're totally airing Patrick's business on the podcast. We love that. We love Patrick. Well, he's yeah. he's not going to do anything. So he, uh, he and it, plus it's good news. It's really good news. Not that he couldn't. He was want yeah with that left hook. Are you kidding me? I've seen him knock heavyweights cold. <laughs> so uh, he decided that he wanted to go after another job. I think in the parts department. Because he could be off of work at three every day. He could be home. Train and all that. Well, he could also be home and get the kids off the bus. They would have to rely on other people as much. And found out a couple weeks ago, he got the job. Oh, good for him. So he starts in August. Awesome. Gets to do everything that he wanted to do. And I'm so happy for him. The problem is I've still got to convince him, okay, this means you can be at the gym more than one day out of every 14. So you need to get get yourself back to the gym. Because his wife, he gets to a point sometimes like, you need to go to the gym. Yeah. Just go to go to the gym. Well, don't get don't have wait for her permission here, Pat. Get in the gym, hit stuff. I'm going to need you to, you know, hold the mitts for me, and eventually, I'm going to have to figure out how to get get away from his his big left hook. Of course, he shouldn't be able to deal with my jab. I don't think. Mm-hmm. You know, at five seven, you can slip it and come in and about kill me. So I'm not sparring you. I'm not an idiot. Nah, we'll wait until you after your surgeries and stuff like that. We'll get in work. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. I've got two surgeries coming up in August. Though that'll be fun. Someone who's paranoid about getting put under. 
in anesthetics. But it feels so good when you wake up, and it feels so Does good right it? when you're. Oh man, I've had three. Surgeries. See, I've never done this. But the only thing they didn't tell me that they were going to intubate me, and I woke up and I was like, man, it feels like I've been deep throating some cock here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they were like. Yeah, we put a tube down your throat about 12 inches long. I was like, that's real fucking good. I know I can deep throat it. It doesn't bother me. It's, <laughs> you know, so. Okay, when you started that, I mean, I, I've known you for how long, and we've done how many of these shows. I should have known where that was headed. Oh, but, yeah. But I thought you were going to say, I woke up and my throat was sore, no. and I didn't know what happened. No, you went straight for the oral sex. Oh, well, that's the only thing I could think of. I mean, it wasn't it wouldn't a small one. It, 12 to 15 inches down your throat. And you don't even flinch, and you have no idea why your throat hurts. That's bad. That's like that's roofie shit right there. That's bad. That's Cosby time right there. That's, I got Cosby'd. Okay, so I'm talking. I'm talking to my best friend the other night, and she says that she had, I think, some apple pie and and oh, blue shine. Apple pie and raspberry flavored moonshine. The apple pie is really and good. And I said, you know, that's, of, uh, that's obviously, uh, obviously of no use to me, but I wonder if anybody ever cooks with that. I wonder if you could make some like raspberry preserves and put that in there, and it's just sure got an could. extra little kick. I'm sure you could. And she, so she comes back. She's very quick-witted. <laughs> My kids are fucked up. She, she comes back with Sorry. this. Oh, good God, Steve. Sorry. She comes back with this statement that will never leave my head. Date rape dessert. How do you even put those three words together? Date rape dessert. That is definitely, um, yeah, that's kind of out there. So Yeah, so I made it worse. That sounds like a cool band name. It Doesn't it? Date rape dessert. Okay, so I, I made it worse, and I said, there's only one place you can find the recipe for date rape dessert, and that's in the Bill Cosby cookbook. <laughs> 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 it's in a jello pudding pop <laughs> <laughs> alright uh, one thing we do have to do here is we're going to take one more break and then we're going to come back always hemorrhoid. with our top 5 list for the episode hmm. uh, this is a top 5 list that we had talked about doing before and I avoided doing it because you know sometimes you just don't want to offend sensibilities of people who may be listening. Fuck them. But I don't have to worry about that anymore. So we're going to give you our top five list of our top five desert island women, and this can be current. My shit changes, so I have to look back. It can be current, <laughs> or it can be all time. It could be like you know, it could be in this their prime. Yeah, this person in their prime in 1996, or it could be. You know, as they are now. I think I'm going to go as they are now. I think you have decided to go in a slightly different direction. You sent that. The did other I send day, that, dude? I did send. That I knew I wasn't fucking. That's retarded. awesome. That's, well, I mean, I'm still might be. Okay, fair point. But no, that's that's pretty cool. So uh, we're going to do that list. We're going to get Jake's and and pre- and have him record it and present it on the next episode. Okay, I think so. We're going to do that, but we'll come back with our top five desert island women list, and we'll come back and close the show with a final statement that's very important right after this. Final segment of episode 13. This has been a very, very long and a very diverse episode. Rejoin Music Cielo by Huma Huma. Just like our intro and outro music, copyright free so we don't get sued. Steve doing his white man chair dance. With a hint of, I don't know, East Asia 
Yeah, it definitely has like in a snake that. charming shit. Very much so. That's what I was thinking. It's a I'm shame a snake. We, shame we don't have a little video running at the time. <laughs> uh, Steve, you were saying something. something's bothering you. What's bothering you? Okay, so um, I guess the FDA is starting to decide that almond milk is not considered milk. Right. Because, you know. Because it's, it's not? Because it's not. But, <laughs> but it is whatever. I still can. It, it has the consistency of milk. But I have actually paid attention to a couple other articles about this. The farmers or whatever, whoever has been subsidized to sell their shit product to Correct. human beings that are filled with cancerous fucking material and uh, pus-filled, lactating, unhappy cow tits, um, <laughs> they don't want their profit margins cut into anymore. So they think that uh, everything can be reclassified because they don't fucking like it. Well, that's, Once again, I don't give a fuck about the FDA, and if I want to call anything milk, I will. They should call it milch. But that's the way of the government, call isn't it? Call it milch. I like, that's what my kids call milk anyway. Uh, milch? Milch. Okay, when I hear milch, I think of David Milch, who was the co-creator of NYPD Blue. Milch. It's, I think it's funny when I get my kids to say things wrong. <laughs> well, of course you do. You think that it's hilarious to teach them things that are wrong, but and then, then you can make right. fun of them. I do, but then like, it's really called milk, but actually... With their vocabulary, it's made them kind of creative, so they just make up words all the time, but they know the correct word. But they call each other names all the time. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But still, the FDA can go eat a dick because <laughs> they want to poison everybody with their bullshit food because they're in bed with... Well, it's with, not just food. It's the drugs, too. It's well, the things in bed that with, they approve. They're in bed with each other because oh, all the things that sure. you... Everything that you eat drives you to their medication, and that's what it is. Fuck y'all. And if... Anybody lobbies for them, you can go eat a fucking AIDS-infested dick. I don't that's, care. Well, that's it's hard to misconstrue that. Let's let's look at it for what it is, and it's been this way for a long time. I love capitalism, socialism's nonsense, communism's evil, all these things. Everything's the problem up. is that you have a lot of these a lot of these Bernie Sanders-loving socialists talking about how evil capitalism is. The problem is what they're basing all of this on is a world that we live in now that does not have capitalism. Yeah. Okay? We we do have not had actual capitalism in years. Well, it's globalism now. Well, what we've got in this country, we haven't we've reached a place where globalism is the ultimate goal and it's close yeah. to happening, but we live in an era of corporatism, and corporatism is pretty simple. <sighs> Capitalism says we're going to have a free and an open market. Mm-hmm. Competition is going to drive prices down, yep. and that is going to make sure that the consumer benefits. Corporatism is what we have now, which is basically large corporations and large entities with lobbyists basically get in bed with the government they create and this is the key here say so fuck everybody they be cre- a government that's one way to put it yeah they create artificial monopolies artificial monopolies drive everything up because you have no competition mm-hmm. and it's and it's the corporations that benefit and the consumer suffers perfect example you cannot go to any region and have more than one cable television provider. That's you true. can't have more than one phone provider. Yep. Why? Give me a reason why. It's because the corporations lobbied and decided they wanted to have it that way. And you're not you're not allowed to have monopolies. It's just how it's supposed to be, right? Well, you you don't want to have There's monopolies no for obvious reasons, but how Fucking can Walmart for one of them? But I will give credit to Walmart cuz at least they built things on their own. They did not 
allow the government, they did not lobby for the government to create the environment for them to thrive. But it still destroyed everything else around it. They did. And they're it's an invasive species. Like they're a other. monster. That, co- that company is a monster. But they didn't go to the federal government and say, we need you to, you know, pass some laws that say, if you are within this region, you can only have Walmart. Yeah. And over here, they can have Target, but we want to have the law passed for this. Yeah. They just got so big yeah. that they're dominating areas. Whereas you have companies like Comcast and all of these other ones, not, only do, they, not only do they keep <laughs> getting bigger, they're absorbing the other companies that had exclusivity. And eventually, you're oh, going to have one or two providers for that. And they can't stop from being bought out. If you're, if you're traded... If another corporation wants to buy that corporation, Absolutely. then they can do it no matter what. If you're publicly traded, you can lose control of your own company so because a bunch up. of people have some money. Well, if you want to go on the public market, do it. But you need to stay on your toes all the time. Because you're not going to have your company. Well, well, Papa people. John's. John whatever. Is John Schnatter. Schnitter. Considering what he said, easy on the pronunciation, Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a reason why he's no longer involved with his own corporation. Hey, that was his opinion, you know, so far. I don't know what he said, and I just know a word that he used. It had something to do with anthem protests, and he used the N-word. Oh, well, that was probably not smart in any setting, but certainly not in in the current world in which we live. So, yeah. well, there's a reason why... Papa John's is having trouble, and it's not the anthem protests. It's the fact that your pizza tastes like a cheese stick with some cardboard and ketchup. I never have liked Papa John's. I like fucking Little Caesars better. (laughs) There's one good pizza at Papa John's, and it used to be one of the specialties, and now you can go through the website and customize one Mm -hmm. and make it, and it's their chicken bacon ranch. That my uncle used to get that all the time. That was yeah. a decent pizza, but like just the standard pepperoni, cheese, bacon, it's sauce, lifeless. It's just it's bland and it's garbage. Now I will say this: out of all of the chains, they do have the best garlic butter dipping sauce. Yeah, that it's it's very good. It's not bad. It's friendly. I can I can eat that stuff. Yeah, but when when your claim to fame for people who actually know what good food is is that you have good garlic butter dipping sauce. I'm just using it to cover the horrible bland flavor that the rest of your product has. Right now, I used to hate Domino's. Ten years ago, hated Domino's Their quality has gotten better. It was terrible. Yeah. They went in and rebooted everything. They changed all their stores. They changed all their recipes. All of it. And now, a thin crust at Domino's, I'll take that over any of the other chains. Mm-hmm. Pizza Hut's a close second because Pizza that, Hut's not bad. That stuffed crust—they have a good deal. That stuffed okay. crust is iconic, man. It's pretty good it's stuff. So good. I do kind of miss that. For a while, there, Little Caesars had a stuffed crust pizza, and it was um, not bad. Little Caesars not bad. I mean, because it's all the same quality. I mean, it's 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 Italian design, so you know you're getting a lot for whatever your material sure. you're using. You're they're still making. A well, and it's also hot and ready. Yeah, it's hot and ready, ready to go. Hey, like, you got a bunch of screaming ass kids that won't shut up. That's true. Stuff bread in their mouth. And you like, know what? There are some there are some people that are unfortunately hot and ready, and that's caused nothing but trouble in the lives of them and many other people. But that's again beside the point. Such a nasty little hole. It's just disgusting. With so much power, <laughs> so uh, much power. Only the power that you give it. That's true. Well, let's go. Let's segue right from that into our desert island. <laughs> Uh, oh. Desert Island women list and the top five. Steve, I will let you go first. Well, let me get back to this because my mind does change. It just depends what I've eaten that day. Okay, so you gave me a preliminary list. I think it's, yesterday. It's still gonna. I'm still keeping that list because that's. I was 
provocative with that. I was thinking about it. Okay. I wasn't just kind of like, eh. Well, our more astute listeners of the program already know who's number one on Steve Randolph's list. Oh, yeah. It's we already know RJ's going to be number one. But, well, for those who are new listeners and, and do not understand that reference... I don't want to spoil it, and we'll just make sure that Steve gives his list. Well, I have to make sure, because Stephanie is still uh, texting me uh, little nasty pictures of her body. Is that right? Not that it's nasty body pictures, it's nasty pictures of her body. Oh, so it's a nice R-rated material? Uh, Not necessarily R-rated, I'd say. It's more like PG-13. Really? She won't send me too many R-rated. She knows I'll show everybody else. (laughs) I've done it before. (laughs) She well, may make a little book of. Uh, well, you don't have to share them with the audience, Steve. But the but the co-host. I mean, that's just that's just being a bro. She wouldn't be able to look at your eyes anymore. Trust me, Steve. After a lot of the things that you've said publicly, she still looks you in the eye. She has to. I ask her to. I know. I actually tell her to. Where the? F- I have to make sure I don't mess this up. Well, no, you need to make sure your list is correct. It is correct, but I just can't remember where I put it. I do it. like the new mic setup. It's a, I think it's a cleaner sound. Your, your end is nice, man. It's not as... Uh, Mine sounds good all the time, I think, anyway, but I'm not so picky. This is this thing, there's a low-cut filter that you can activate on the mixer, and I'd had it activated for a while, and it gives you a little bit of a, normal, a more warmer sound, but yeah. I took that out... And then made some changes in the EQ, and I think it sounds better now than it That sounds before. perfect, I think, anyway. But yeah, it sounds like perfect every time you ask me. So. I will say this. We do produce a nice, quality-sounding podcast, considering we're using the cheapest stuff possible, because we're poor. And we are poor. That really is the That's problem. That's true. <laughs> Are you t- are you still scrolling? No, I'm, lo- I'm looking it? right at. Oh, you're just... looking at the list. Well, then let's have. Well, then let's have the list. Okay. Uh, first on the list is going to be Rashida Jones because I don't know. I just always liked her. Of course, we all, we always knew it was gonna, that Rashida Jones would be. It just happens, and I I forgot all about Quincy Jones. I didn't even know Quincy Jones was her dad at the beginning, oh, so it doesn't cares? even matter. Uh, Zoe Deschanel second yeah. because they actually kind of see they both have quirky personalities i think i could deal with their personality and the fact that i think they're beautiful at the same time see, on the island for me when i thought about who was gonna who might be on your list i knew that those two would be on it i had no clue who the other three would be uh barbara eden because she would call me master all the time that would be at what i consider um her prime Maybe not teenage years, but when I she was hanging Jeannie. out when she was hanging out with Major Healy, I yeah. like the way she I dream acted. Of Jeannie. Uh, Shakira, because she just doesn't seem like she's getting old, and she can. <laughs> if I get her at eighteen and we're there for like fifty years, she's not going to change. <laughs> well, hips don't lie, Steve. That's right. <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones before she was Douglas. Um, <laughs> Did you just turn Douglas into a verb? She was, yeah, she was Douglas. <laughs> and uh, that's it. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, that's it. Okay. okay. Uh, and all all in their prime. All in their prime. Well, yeah. it's got to be in their prime. Otherwise, it's just a waste. Just a waste. I'm sure Barbara Eden is perfectly nice, but it just wouldn't be much fun now. I only have one blonde in there. That's true. That is true. I like my women a little bit darker on the hair and sometimes a little darker in the skin. So it's up. Well, at least we know what you like. And at least you know what you like. That's right. I am very diverse in in my tastes, very much so. And it's very it comes down to this. It's kind of like the Golden Corral approach, like a little bit of everything. That's right. Okay. Now there are certain parts of the buffet 
that I do not even go to. care to go to. Yeah. And it's usually the par- the parts of the buffet that are featuring the ones who frequently go to the buffet. Yeah, like, damn, I'm never going to move to this. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. And I, and I can, again, here comes the hate now. You're fat shaming. You're doing, oh, eat a dick. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of listening to this constant politically My correct eyes BS. do not deceive me. You're fat. You know, it's the, <laughs> it's the same people who complain. Oh, men are fat shaming. They're doing this. They're doing this. They're doing this. And then won't go out with a guy because he's five foot 10 and not six feet tall. Shaming. So I don't want to hear a word from any of you about anything. It's okay to have an opinion in this world. If you don't like it. Deal with it. And I'll tell you this. If you don't like our opinions, keep listening because there's going to be more. Just make sure you send us email and we'll be more than happy. to. You can call us and we'll talk about it. White women are fucking everything up with their opinions because they think everybody else should follow that. You know what the worst thing that has happened? The biggest cancer on our world in in the last 30 years (laughs) is liberal white guilt. Yes. Nothing has ruined our world like liberal white guilt. Fueled by white women and they use that power against these little fucking beta male shithead liberals and to get pussy and then they follow them and they still don't give them the pussy. Well, it's it's liberal white women and it's also these feminized white men. Well, yeah, the beta males. They're the exact same yeah. thing. Well, they're only doing the exact same thing so they can get laid. But they don't realize how bad they're feminizing themselves it's to where nobody it. wants to fuck no, it's, them. It's not worth it. It's no. just not worth it. Well, let's face it. They're probably getting pegged. They're about fucking... They're about as hard as a fucking... <laughs> I don't know. Tub of butter. I don't know. Fucking pussies. Well, you have to start reaching deep into the metaphor well when it's almost midnight. And it's been a long day. All right, here's my top five. My top five is pretty simple. Part of it's not going to be very surprising. These are not in any particular order because they're all going to be on the island anyway. So, yeah. so oh, are these right? all okay? So let me ask this: Okay, were they all supposed to be on the island together, or is that just one? Like, if oh, you no. had to have just one? Oh no, they're all on the island. Man, variety. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm happy with my list. How then. awesome I'm, is I'm, that? I'm good to go. Yeah. I had to throw a blonde in. I didn't That's realize so cool. it. Okay. So cool. Should ask. All right, here we go. Uh, first one on my list, and this is because I was born in the '80s, and okay. I grew up in the '90s. And if you if this is not at least in contention to be on your list, something is desperately wrong with you, and that is Tiffany Thiessen. Oh gosh, yeah, okay. Uh, if you prime did, Tiffany Thiessen, she has, she has oh, no. these little areas no, no, no. where she looks kind of weird. Sometimes. No, I'll take Tiffany Thiessen now, and here's why. Not only is she still Kelly Kapowski, uh-huh. and is she still gorgeous, but now she has a cooking show too. So now you get the food aspect and you get the Kelly Kapowski aspect, too. So you really can't lose. Yeah, that's true. And then while you're dealing with the other four, she's cooking dinner. And I like to cook so I can help her cook. So you get the entertainment. You get the culinary aspect. You really can't lose. This is why I think about my list like So I might be fucking starving. But then again, I have a genie, and I can ask anything I want. That's whatever. Okay. Oh, so you're not going for Barbara Eden. You're going for genie. Yeah, that's her prime for me. She's a genie. Okay, so now what we've got to do, <laughs> now we've got to come up with a top five Desert Island female TV characters list. Oh, okay. okay. That would be fun. I'm still starving, though. I hadn't thought about that as a list. That'll be fun. Number two, Becky Lynch. Oh, my God. Oh, I love Becky Lynch. She is a wrestler, wrestler in WWE. Yeah. She's Irish. And what really, she's beautiful. Yeah. But I've gotten to listen to a lot of podcasts, wrestling related, and hear a lot of in-depth interviews and a lot of different things. And her personality is just awesome. And she's a really cool chick and not divisive 
about a lot of issues, which is cool because you don't want to deal with that on a desert island forever. Fuck no. So yeah, Becky Lynch is definitely on my list. Plus the wrestling, she's acrobatic, so you really can't get. So she's she's uh, athletic. That's you correct. That. Yeah, good cardio, and that improves mine. Number three, right. Jackie Byers. She is an actress. She's Canadian. She's an actress on the CBS show Salvation. And Salvation, this is season two. It's kind of a summer 10, 12 episode season event every year. And this is season two. And I don't know what it is, but I was watching CBS. And I don't even, I rarely watch CBS. Yeah, she's pretty cute, man. Oh, she's awesome. Well,. I was watching CBS for something, and the commercial came on for the first episode of the show, for the pilot episode last year. That's her. Yeah. And it was a 30-second teaser. And I said, wait a minute, she's going to be on the show? (laughs) Okay, I'm at least watching the first episode. I don't care if the show sucks. And the the premise of the show is pretty cool. It's got a little bit of Armageddon, the movie, and it's got a little bit of Jericho to it. Now that we're into season two, I'm utterly convinced that they know the writers of the show Jericho. Because yeah. it's basically the same thing. Pretty much the same thing. Hopefully they actually finish the damn thing. Yeah. Jericho kept going in comic book form for two more seasons. And Netflix wanted to revive it, and CBS told them no, they wanted to hold on to the rights. So okay. we're still holding on, uh, holding on to hope. But I watched the first episode of the show, and I said, okay, the show's good, and she's on it. I'm watching every episode of this show that they ever produce. And it's still rolling. We're in season two. But yeah, that girl is outstanding. Yeah, she's, she's so cute. Jackie Byers is awesome. Number four. Again, this is one of those that if it's not at least in contention on your list, you're blind. Gal Gadot. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I had my doubts when they cast her as Wonder Woman. I thought there's no way she's actually going to pull this off because she has no range as an actor. She's horrible. She was in the Fast and the Furious movies. Her role was the same every time. She comes out, takes her clothes off, she's in a bikini, waves a flag for them to race or something, and then that was it. She can't even put sentences together because her primary language is Hebrew. I don't know how that fits in with Wonder Woman anyway. She's a Catherine Zeta-Jones. She's a new version. But they put her in the movie, and she looks great in the outfit. Oh, yeah. And she's actually not bad in that role. She's doing really well as Wonder Woman so far. That's not why she's on the list. That's exactly why. Not. I'm just playing. Only (laughs) only if she gets to keep the outfit. Then I've got to wear the... Superman suit, whatever. And number five is actually another connection to the Superman universe, and it's Erica Durance, who played Lois Lane on Smallville. And I'm a big... As soon as I start bringing these people up and Steve doesn't know who it is, he goes straight to the phone to look them up. Spank bank, man. It's Erica Durance, D-U-R-A-N-C-E. So she's also... She she looks a lot like your second. You think so? Yeah. They, I think she looks a lot like the second, uh, a little bit more refined. Oh, you think she looks like Jackie Byers? Yep. About 10 like years down the road. So you're saying I have I a, think she's cuter than Jackie Byers, personally. So you're think, you think I have a type? I do, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably true. I need a different type, apparently. But, uh, so that's my top five list. I think that, here's the issue with this. Jake's top five is going to look way different than our top five. Really? I'm pretty sure. Well, he's also about 10 years younger than us. Oh, is he? Oh, Remember okay. that, too. So he's going to know people we don't even know. Well, maybe not 10. 
I need to figure out exactly how old he is. He knows more. He knows a different. He's in a different area. Yeah, maybe, but he's got good taste. He's a smart dude, so he'll he'll choose wisely. Because believe me, not everybody does. But that's my top five list. That's your top five. That's pretty list. strong. I could deal with those ladies if I didn't have mine. I could hook up with all. I of them. could. I, you know, that would be. That's why the five were picked for the reason they were is because of the personalities that are that are going to be involved there. Yeah. Because believe me, the rest of it is after a year. Yeah, a lot of fun. I'm going to need some conversation on some type of a topic. Give me some education and give You're me some, some something to discuss. You're with some strong personality too, though. You're yes. with like some physicality. Um, you know, it seems like they're stronger personality. Needs are, to be a good match, not just eye candy. Mine are a little bit more meek. Are they? Yeah. Rashida Jones does not strike me as meek. Playful. I mean, but I don't know. In some aspects, like more some of the playful. other ones, like the Barbara Eden pick. Yeah, I can I can see that as being. Being more meek. Maybe Rashida might be the most strong personality of them all, but it's still more of a playful thing. It's kind of a nerdy kind of thing, you know? I kind of like nerdy girls like that. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. And speaking of Rashida Jones, I'm going to go ahead and look at her now. (laughs) Just because I haven't done that in a while. And she's not young and she's still hot. How old? she's in her forties? Yeah, that's isn't what I, she? Yeah, that's what Wait I like about her. She's not young. Wait a minute, I think that might be another list. We need to do a top five forty plus. Yeah, she's got that nerdy look to her. That's yeah. What I like about we need it. to do a top five thirty plus. She's a nerdy, dirty girl. At, oh, Vir- yeah. at Virginia Tech, they do a uh, they do a top five eighteen plus because the rest <laughs> their standard lists are all under eighteen. Yeah, you can't. They get in trouble for their list. God, I hate those people. I hate top fourteen year olds are going to be hot in six years. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them all. I hate every single one of them. It's, yeah. Everyone I've even met that actually really really likes them is fucking weird. Of course, they're. And I would weird. never let them babysit my children. No. No, you Just absolutely saying. do not do that. But those are our lists. And if you, if you want to submit your list, feel free to do so. ApexLivePodcast at gmail.com. Send us your list. We'll read them if you want us to. Some people don't want us to. I understand why, considering how embarrassing some of your selections would be. And let me let me also... She was an E.T. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Let me also say this. Don't even bother sending the list if you're going to give us this stereotypical beta male nonsense. All five of my picks would be my girlfriend or my wife because that... Uh, stop it. You're missing the whole point of the exercise. The whole point of the exercise is to be a fucking alpha male and choose between which one of the five you want to bang that day. Well, Come you know on what? now. Dr- you know what? Dream a little bit. Have fun. Dream, dream a little bit. Yeah, not everything is what you see. Don't, not everything just, is what you're told it just is. Just knock it off. Just, just don't be that way. It's fantasy. For God's sake. Enjoy it. Huh. Don't be a homo forever. <laughs> don't be a homo. <laughs> don't be a homo. Thank you, Steve. We love it. Well, one final note. No one in the world has a support system like mine. And in the last seven or eight weeks, with all of the things that have happened... Generally speaking, the only way that you find out that you have an amazing support system is when things have gone horribly wrong. Uh, Those things aren't proven whenever things are going perfectly and everything's nice and smooth. You find out when things go completely berserk and they start to spiral and you really just can't do it on your own anymore. And the way that the people around me, the people that are closest to me have responded, 
has just been remarkable. And it's something that I'll never forget and I'll never be able to repay. Um, I'm still on my feet because of all of you looking better and that have done this seems stronger than I've seen you in a while. So they are, they are the reason why, because things got dark, things got difficult and I'm not going to sit here and act like I was eating punches in the corner. No, I was, I was down. I was on my back. I didn't. Now you're in the corner sitting on a stool. You're, you're having, we know what? I didn't hear 10. I kept getting up at nine. Yeah. Now I kept getting hit and I'd get knocked down. I keep getting back up. And it's, this isn't a, this isn't a chumba wumba song. Okay. This isn't tub thumping. (laughs) Okay. But the mentality was the same. I was not going to stay down. I was getting beat up and it kept happening, but I'm not going to sit here and be so trite to say, you know, remember everything happens for a reason. I'm not going to get into these, these ridiculous cliche platitudes that really don't do anything. All they do is they are self-serving for the people who are throwing them at you at that time. Real concern is not like that. Real concern says, this isn't just you anymore. It's us. We're, you know, we're going to be all right. I'm with you. And having that kind of circle has been amazing. I love each and every one of you. And that's from coast to coast, literally from coast to coast. Every one of you that are in my inner circle, I love all of you and you know who you are. And that includes Steve. That includes Jake. That was here for the first part of the episode. I have an amazing circle, and there's two of you in particular. Wonder Woman and Batman, you know who you are. You've been there every single day since the very first night. I'll never be able to repay you. And uh, to the person in question for all of this, you may be listening. You may never hear it. But no matter what's happened, I love you anyway. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. It doesn't mean that that everything will ever be like it was. But... uh I didn't just magically forget all of the history, and I hope that you don't either. And no matter what happens, I'm always a phone call away. And that needs to be said, because... Yeah, that's that's real closure. You don't... Though. That's well, real closure. And the thing is, you don't erase history. No. And that doesn't mean that you that you automatically close books and that everything is permanent the way it is now. But things transcend. They change. Everything changes. Yeah, you know, I think about the song... Uh, the song Chance, <laughs> not that one. <laughs> I think about the song Chances by Five for Fighting, and it's mm-hmm. just such a, a perfect line. Nothing lasts forever, no matter how it feels today. You can break a plate and you can glue it back together, and it'll be back together, but it's still got the cracks in it, and it's not the same as it was. It's not gonna be. Well. Uh, I'm not gonna say that things will ever be like they were. Uh, over the last three years, I'm not going to say that there will ever be restoration, but I'm also not going to say that there's not. I'm going to say this. I'm doing better than I was. Much better. And I don't know what in the world is going to happen in the next little while. I know that the battle for me is far from over. The situation as it is, whatever. Hands up, backing away. I've got nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with me anymore. Brad Phoenix is going to come out of it. And that's fine. And you know, that's what it really turns into is the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Stronger and or better than before. I hope so. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I don't know. Definitely. Gives I, you a better edge. I'm telling you. I know that I'm not the same person now that I was two months ago. And, and you, you will, later on, you will hate that guy. You'll be like, who is that but, guy? But I want to go back to beat him to death. Here's the thing. Maybe I don't need to be the same. Maybe I need to be different. You do. Maybe there need to be some changes because there's a story behind every scar. Mm-hmm. And I can do that and make the changes and have a better defense next time. Like I said, who knows what's going to happen moving forward. You'll be stronger no matter what. It is what it is. But I have a team behind me that is fiercely loyal and caring in ways that I never would have expected. 
from some people I never would have expected. From some people I certainly would. And I'm just so thankful for that. And from this point forward, that really is the key word. That key word is forward. Episode 13 in the books. 14's around the corner. Steve, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for everything. I'm still here and kicking, even when it seemed like that may not be the case. Till next time, I'm Brad, that's Steve. This has been Apex Live. Good night, America. Wherever you are.